The witch's cackle burns the eye that sees the danger you are in. Sometimes we're wrong, but we want to prove that we are right, so we begin. Watch out, there's a sword and it's coming for your neck. In this battle for salvation, in this battle salvation hello everyone and welcome to episode 22 of the battle for salvation warhammer underworlds podcast i am max bernstein i'm randall slate and with us today special guest simultaneous casting of podcasts we have uh davy calkins from what the hex podcast welcome davy hey guys thanks for having me on Hey, thanks for coming on, because that's awesome. We're glad to have you. And uh, before we get started, we do want to do what we usually do, which is uh, shout out some tournaments that are coming up. We have the Rift in Peekskill, New York, will be going on on Sunday, December 29th. Uh, that will start at 12 p.m. It will be championship format. Uh, my understanding is there is glass on the line, and that one's coming up. I'm going to that one. Randall, are you joining me at that one? Yeah. All right. Are you bringing thorns? Because if so, I'm going to be mad. Mm. Uh, uh, He's thinking about it. Thorns is like the only time when if Randall like comes with a warband, I'm like, oh, shit, because his thorn deck is so good. I don't think I've ever beaten it in, in, in uh, competitive play. It's really good. Um, anyway, so he's not going to say. See you sit in the back there. Yeah. Uh, the other one that's coming up is the Portal, Manchester, Connecticut. That is on January 11th. Also championship format. I understand that the uh, the festivities start at 10 a.m. And uh, I was planning on going to that. Uh, we'll see what happens later, uh, later on. But I, I am planning on going to that one. And we also have Adepticon coming up in March. Uh, yeah. Randall, yeah, Randall, you're going to that one? Yeah, so Adepticon is March 25th through the 29th, and I believe that the, all the Underworlds events are on the 26th and 27th. Um, there's a, a Relic for, uh, format tournament for charity. I think it's for Extra Life. And then there's the just the regular championship tournament, and then there's a team tournament, which I signed up for, but I don't have a team yet. So if anyone wants me on their team... Just give a holler. Uh, I think the team thing contact is... Contact me on Facebook. 28th, 29th. I think that's Saturday, Sunday. So if somebody okay. wanted to, they could Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they're, they're Underworlds. So, um, and it sounds like the most recent information indicates that they're two person teams, which is odd. Um, not yeah. in, so. yeah, that's not in the, uh, that's not in the tournament rules. It's supposed to be three, right? For Alliance. Uh, they'll do what they do. Uh, Dave, are you going to that one? I'm going to Adepticon right now. I'm only going for two days. Uh, I'm on the fence about going for two more. If I do, then uh, Phil and I are going to be trying to uh, run a team. But if uh, if I don't make it, then uh, you you might be able to have a a, a mini pod squad there, Randall. I'll uh, I'll see if Phil's looking for a partner if I can't uh, step up. So nice. Yeah. All right. Well, at least we see that we're bringing people together. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, but Adepticon is generally one of the largest ones of the year. So uh, so looking forward to that. I, I can't go because it's you know during the school year. If you um, think about it, you know, a year ago, um, that was the year that uh, 
Aman Kusro and Dean Bills played in the final game. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. that was probably the biggest that was like the first really big grand clash that was in the US, in the US. I feel like. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but that one was the old format where they just cut to the top two people after one day. Yeah. And then this one is right. more of the standard format which we've developed over over the year, so should be better. I remember Davey brought some God's horns that. Who, you have a more accurate idea of who like the top eight were and sure. all yeah, those yeah, people yeah. are going to have to play each other to, to win, so it'll be nice. Yeah, yeah Davey, you, you, you brought Godsworn last year, I remember. I did, yeah. I was the, okay. the only Godsworn at Adepticon, and uh, I thought I was going to prove that they're actually pretty good, and I did not do that, and then other people did it after me. So Yeah, dude, can you play something super meta this year? Uh, maybe. I, 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 I feel like... I just like feel a, like the community deserves to see <laughs> my body. Potential. My body revolts when I start doing that. Uh, I always think I'm uh, I'm smarter than I am that I figured something out, and then it's not true. So <laughs> just, just play some. Just play something meta, man. Go deep. I'll see. Seriously. We'll, we'll figure. So that's all right. Uh, anything going? That's not what I'm currently practicing, but uh, uh, we'll, we'll see. Where we get. <laughs> uh, any uh, any tournaments uh, going on in your neck of the woods, there, Davey? Yeah, it's been a while since we had a local event, uh, so we're going to try and do that. It'll be the 18th. That's a Saturday, 18th of January, uh, 2020. It's going to be at uh, Noble Knight Games, a uh, cool venue up here in Madison, and uh, we'll be going uh, starting at 11, 11 a.m. We'll do championship format. Uh, we know that there's a, a code up for grab, so if you want to get a chance there, uh, it would be about a $5 entry, and that'll all go into uh store credit for prize support would come right back to the players so uh okay. we'd love to we'd love to see people here and uh if you got enough time then hang out with us after and i'll i'll buy you some food or buy you a drink or something like that so oh that's some some midwestern charm right there Midwestern um, hop- buy some cheese some ranch dressing uh yeah we'll, we'll pile on bratwurst cheese curds and and uh nuclearis beer nice yeah don't know what get, any of that get, is. get your get your arteries real clogged up so. <clears throat> that's the american way um <laughs> speaking of which uh plug your podcast man what the heck's podcast not that you need plugging because yours is pretty awesome but um but go ahead what, what, what's your uh, media outlets there you got what the heck's podcast you got a twitter yeah right or you can get us at wth cast or uh, email what the heck's cast at gmail.com uh we're part of a larger uh podcast network uh it's only really kind of become that in the last year but uh, the mortal realms there's it's a, a narrative age of sigmar podcast that uh i'm part of we got a dogs of war cry is a uh war cry podcast and a, a couple other projects spinning off every once in a while uh, gene uh, go check all that out at the, the mortal realms.com cool and uh as always uh bfs battle for salvation we just have the facebook page and and uh podbean and we're on itunes and all that stuff so make sure that you subscribe uh to to, to us to what the hex to all the other uh great content providers out there uh like subscribe it really helps the uh their media be a little bit more visible uh in the in the internetiverse um so very helpful if you can just go out there it takes two seconds to just hit like and and you know leave a rating so make sure you're doing that for for all the content providers that you uh that you use all right so you ready to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Davey. Uh, we we typically do biography questions uh, mm-hmm. when whenever we have a guest who's never been here before. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we want to ask you a few. Uh, the first one that I would like to ask you is, 
how big is your mustache right now? Uh, let's see. It is uh, really important. Yep, yeah, it's it's fairly substantial. Instead of the uh, handlebar, I, I'm getting a. Uh, uh, getting to the point where it might do a little waxing, get some uh, curl going on on the end there. Yeah. All right. So like how much like a 1970s Harley Davidson owner do you look right now? Mm, well, if it was how, uh, how relief pitchery do you look right now? With the hair, for sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, my my wife has a particular She She grew up in St. Louis and so uh, knows the St. Louis Cardinals There's some some player. She always uh, tells me I look like and I can never remember the name of them, but uh yeah, I've got the I've got the flow going to to help out the mustache too. I, I kind of want to put you on a baseball card right now. I gotta yeah. tell you, uh, this is all great stuff for audio format. I'm I'm, I'm really. I'm just saying, it. how Magnum PI do you look right now? Uh, all right, so okay. We can move on. Don't don't answer right. that. All right. So, um, why'd you get into this game? Uh, so I'd been playing uh, Games Workshop games on and off since uh, the early to mid nineties. I, I was living in uh, Dublin, Ireland actually, and got connected that way. Uh, really? We'd kind of keep returning to it along the way. And uh, just found that uh, I got two small kids and full games of age of Sigmar between painting the army up and uh, all the setup and playing and tear down. They're just taking there. There's too big of an ask. And when this game came out, uh, tried a couple games early on. Uh, and uh, some of the, some of the guys, um, shoot who at Rillian, um at Rillian, you might know him on twitter brad schwant he uh he demoed a game for me and i was like oh man this plays fast and it's fun and uh and so i got in right at the start and it, it was uh, checking the boxes that i was looking for um as yeah, far as a, a paint anything concern. if you don't want to yeah sure. i mean I, 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 yeah i do enjoy the the painting side but i like being able to just be okay five figures and i'm done with a warband you know and i can move on to a new project so Absolutely. And you're, you're in the Madison, Wisconsin general area. Yep. So Southern Wisconsin, uh, not too far off of Chicago within roughly striking range of the twin cities, although it's a little bit of a haul. Um, but, uh, yeah, something like that. Rockford, right. I think and is what, our most fre frequent crossover. We'll get down there. Oh, like the peaches. Rockford, Rockford peaches. peaches. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. From uh, League right. of their own. Yeah. Sure. Their own. That's, yeah. That's where it is. All right. And, uh, what's the scene like in that area? Cause you just mentioned a few pretty large, uh, metropolitan areas. Yeah. So, uh, our own area we're we're, uh, working on building up, uh, Phil, my co-host has been really good about, uh, running a league. And then we've got a, we've got a local store owner that the guy at, uh, Warhammer Fitchburg, his name's Vint. He's been real good about giving us the tools we need and, uh, building up the player base, which has been, which has been awesome. Um, and again, like I said, most of our, most of our crossover is with, uh, Rockford, uh, Rockford contingent where we'll, we'll see some of them. We'll go down there. They'll come up here. Um, and, uh, we need to expand it out a little bit more. I, I know that there's some, some, uh, places a little farther away. We'd like to start, uh, building the connections there as well. Also Milwaukee. We don't know what's going on in Milwaukee. So hmm. we need to, we need to get that pulled into. Okay. Um, and, uh, what's your favorite underworld faction to play and why? Yeah. Uh, I feel like it has to be Reavers. Uh, and some of it is nostalgia. They're the first war band I played with these guys, uh, or with, with this game. And so every time that I'm not playing, uh, Reavers and then I see someone else playing them, I'm like, Oh man, <laughs> I, wish, I wish that was me. Uh, and, uh, I just kind of like that, uh, that all out savagery flying around the board. Um, they have, they have speed, they have aggro. That's pretty fun. I, I do like a lot of different play styles, um, but uh, that that uh, feels core fundamental to the game uh, for me. So 
that's that's where I keep on uh, going back to. All right, cool. Um, let's let's uh, go to accomplishments because I think that that's important. Whenever we have somebody on, you want to make sure that this is somebody who really, you know, you want to listen to them. So, sure. uh, how much glass do you have? Uh, let's see. I guess probably four. I would say um, we All don't right. we don't have a lot of glass events, uh, and some of those some of those have been or- earned at some pretty pretty small things. Um, right. I think I've. In my defense, including grand clashes, I think I've probably attended uh, six events where I could have won glass. So if, really? that, if that helps make four seem like a bigger number than it is. Um, okay. So you have a high percentage. So, sure. so, and, and how many of these are like quality wins, would you say? Like, were you, there were like a pretty strong two, field. two, I'd two. say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. And what, what factions did you win everything with? I'm curious. Uh, well, one was part of a team event, uh, ATC last year, and I was running right. Tomes Molog as part of that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Far Striders, when Far Striders that was, that was with there. the uh, that was with the Path to Glory guys, right? Yeah, uh, yes, that that's team. right. Yep, yep. yep. Um, uh, the, my first one was Far Striders, and that was in the pre-bar glory days where uh, you would quick thinker everybody into oblivion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got one with uh, Control Steelhearts. So seeing a theme Oh, right. There. I remember that yeah. one. I played that. We played a cam game with that once. That's right. Yep. And I'm uh, like, where are you going? <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty fun deck. That one is uh, stole almost wholesale from Mike Carlin. Uh, so. Right. Uh, and then what was the other? Oh, um, uh, Thorns of the Briar Queen. Um, I, I had one that was, that was uh, not even flex. That was just. 100% objective. And that was me just trying to learn that play style. So uh, anything he, since Beastgrave dropped? Have not played in any glass uh, events mm. since Beastgrave dropped. So okay. no is the answer. All right. And and your best finish at a GC? It's technically fourth. Um, the uh, the first Grand Clash, it might have, I don't know if it was the first in, in the US, uh, but Wapaka held one um the the first year of uh shades pyrus so that have been january um following the release of of the first core game and gotcha. uh nobody knew what they were doing i took i took like flex reavers i think i'm i don't think i had like hold one through five but uh i definitely had like supremacy and uh some other stuff in there and uh you know just had some good good matchups i got to play some vocal guard a couple times and kill a bunch of guys so um cool yeah all right. It was be- and then, before uh, I knew it was any kind of uh, a big deal. So I got some cool loot for it that uh, turned out ended up being hard to get down the line. So that was cool. Nice. And then, of course, you you won the the ATC with uh, with Amon and, and John. Yeah. Yeah. If uh, if you need to ride some coattails, that's some good coattails to ride. Those uh, those two guys. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. But, you're uh, yeah. It, yeah. That, that's right. Twelve and oh. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know if it was that much, but uh, I, I showed it, it the next at day. Least- yeah. Come on, man. It was at least 10 and 0. You didn't you didn't drop a game the entire time. I, I did like, not. I can't remember how many rounds we played. So but yeah. Um come on. It did. But I mean there's a lot, like uh, Anamon says this a bunch of times. Like there's it was it's sort of a team effort and we we did get the matchups that we want. And so I think I, I kept on being going into the secure matchups and just you know doing doing my job basically. Right, 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 right. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, but 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 you did. All right, so uh, so cool. So everybody out there, this is a guy you can listen to, um, <laughs> literally, because it's the podcast. Okay, let's move on. 
All right. Well, let's move on to the meat of this episode. Uh, we're talking about Rip of Snarl Fangs, the expansion that came out. Had a little bit of time uh, he, with the people on uh, on the program at the moment to to kind of digest these guys and figure out what the deal is. Um, so let's just get started. Just hot takes on the Warband. Uh, Davey, how, how do you feel about this Warband just in general? So I think this is a uh, high, high skill curve, uh, but with a high skill ceiling Warband. Uh, because they, you look at them and it's not immediately obvious how, how to play them. Uh, and that was, that's what makes them interesting to me. All right. Randall, what do you think? Uh, well, the, there's a lot of things to like about this warband. The models are 100% perfect. I think, um, they were extremely really fun cool to play or paint. I mean, uh, I really enjoyed that. And, um, in terms of how they play, I, I think they're definitely fun. I think they're kind of in the wrong... They came out at sort of the wrong time. I feel like if they had come out maybe in the Night Vault season, they would have been a lot better. But uh, nowadays, it's it's tough to win with a, uh, a aggro warband that um, relies on attacking mm. um, with, the, with much of what's out on the field and the, on the top tables. Fair, interesting. All right, Max, cool. um, you played yeah, these guys well, a bunch, right? What's up? I played against these guys a bunch. Wait, who's the who's the guy here? Come on, Davey, Max, you go ahead. All right, here you go. Um, so I I have not played these. I haven't put them on the table, but I have played against them um, quite a bit because I've played against Randall. I've played against you once. I played against them. Uh, other people in Vassal playing them, and uh, for me. I find that there there's kind of a certain way you can kind of play against them, which is to just what I was have been doing is I've been using board setup to kind of keep them away mm-hmm. a lot, um, especially if you're playing uh, objective, which is kind of hot right now because I've been playing um, kind of like a Banshee's flex thing. And I also have a Grimwatch flex, mostly objectives, uh, war bands that I've been playing around with. So I've found that um, there are kind of ways to play around the uh, the, the snarl fangs by uh, using board setup, uh, either going diagonal or going corridor and hiding behind things. Um, they they need to have uh, they need to have uh, you know the ability to see you um, and get close enough. And I feel like if you take that away from them, almost like you know Magors from first season, if you can kind of take away their ability to engage with you. Um, they're a little bit easier to deal with. Um, so, so for me, I've been finding that, that just trying to keep them away and keep them on their end of the board and kind of away from your guys does work really well for the most part until they get like right up in your face. And then, but you've bought yourself some time, I think. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I feel about them as from an opponent's point of view. All right. So we ready to move on. Let's talk about the fighters. Sure. Cool. Um, so we have, uh, we have three fighters in this war band. They are all mounted on wolves and they don't jump off. Like we thought they might. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed with that. Well, at least the um, question of, uh, what, what are all those, there's all that art of, uh, what looks like goblins running around on the ground. Like what's, what's yeah, going what's on going there? on there? Exactly. I was, I was expecting that, but, uh, what are you gonna do anyway? So we have, uh, we have Ripa who is the, they're all hunters. Uh, Ripa is the leader. Uh, they all have two attacks innately. Um, one of them is the goblin doing something, and then the other one is the wolf doing something. 
Uh, Rippa hits on hammers no matter what, including the um, including the wolf. Uh, the snarl fang jaws thing is only one hammer, whereas uh, Rippa himself has a two hammer attack, two damage no matter what, just to start. It's pretty good. Um, they all have the same base bottom stat line, so they're all four move, one shield to start on defense, and four wounds. Um, and then let's see, we have Stabit, who is kind of similar to Ripa, but he's got a he's got a range two attack, but instead of being on hammers, it's on swords, and it doesn't deal as much damage. And then uh, Minai is the range attack guy who uh, also has a, uh, a two-wound um, Snarlfangs attack and, uh, and has kind of like a Grot bow, very similar to the Grots from the, uh, from the, the Gits. Um, but they all have the ability to use the Snarlfangs Jaws attack at the end of the activation. So after the charge is completed, after the attack is completed, if they did attack somewhere in their activation, they can then use the uh, the Snarlfang's Jaws attack for free. Um, and specifically, it's um, at the end of their own activation, and it right. has to have not been another Snarlfang. So you couldn't bite with a wolf jaw and then react with another wolf jaw bite. Is that true? That is true. Huh. Yeah, the other thing is uh, this, the Snarlfang Jaws attack can't be modified at all. Mm -hmm. It says, on the yeah, card. that's a big deal, right? Yeah, and it, it's important to so you can't um, oh, other give it any attack, extra damage or anything. Uh, and then the other thing is um, the it, it's important to to read the actual wording on the reaction for the Snarlfang attack. It's only after um, they have done an attack action in their activation. So if you have some kind of card that lets you attack in the power phase, you cannot then use the. Uh, the Snarlfang attack. Right, and yeah. it does say right there that you can't use the uh, the Snarlfang twice in a row. So you have to attack with the Grot first. Or, yeah, or some other or some other upgrade yeah. that you may have gotten. Yeah. Right, so like mm -hmm. Larval Lance or one of the Amberbone weapons or something like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, let's see. Uh, what do we want to talk about? Well, they get, they get their stats change a lot when inspiring. they're inspired. Yeah. yeah. Right, so let's talk about what happens when they're inspired. Uh, Rippa gets a whole nother attack. He gets to pull out his Grot Bow, which is the same one that Minai has, basically. And his individual attack gets more, um, gets more accurate. And the Snarlfang attack, uh, changes from one hammer to two swords, which I, which is a boost and, uh, more chances of getting, uh, crits, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, also when they switch, uh, for their inspiration, they actually get, uh, their defense changes from one shield to two um, dodges, which again, more chances for crits. Uh, so that's pretty good. Um, Stabit also gains another uh, another thing, which is this. This is his uh, scything attack. He gains a scything attack, uh, which is a, it's only one damage, but it's three uh, swords for attack. So it's pretty accurate. Uh, did you guys find yourselves using this at all? I no. have forgotten that it's there by and large. Um, although <laughs> every once in a while, you know, especially going into something like once you get great strength on him, uh, right. going going into uh, ghouls or ghosts or something like that, it's got potential. It's pretty good. Um, gains knockback on his uh, on his spear he attack. Has knockback. Yeah, he's already. Oh, got he it. does. There you go. All right, it's just more accurate, 
and the Snarl Fang attack uh, increases the same way that it did on Ripa's. And uh, with Minai, Minai just gets more accurate, but that's really it. Uh, they also all jump up to five move when they are inspired. Five move and their uh, defense switches from one block to yeah. two dodge, uh, right? Which uh, is good. It is actually uh, one of the first. It is the first. So so far, every every uh, three fighter warband we've seen has been stormcast, and they go from one block to two block. I guess it, with the exception of the um, the uh, curse breakers. Yeah. Um, so this is this is somewhere in between, but they have the speed to maybe protect themselves a little bit more. I just want to mention with stab it. It's easy to overlook. I mean, obviously, it's easy to overlook the scything attack, um, but the the knockback that's kind of low key, pretty powerful with as many lethals as there are around. It makes uh, mm. it gives him it, it increases his ability to land a lethal hit uh, because of the radius. Um, so you got to be you got to be cognizant about positioning with that out on the table, especially. Sure. Um, yeah, it's also yeah. kind of interesting that he has a range two attack, even though. Um, he has to be adjacent in order to do this, the Snarlfang's jaws. So it's kind of difficult to, to gauge when you should use the, uh, the two range attack. Sure. Okay. It can be helpful yeah, though, in certain situations where if somebody moves away from you or, uh, one of the cards that we're going to go over, it, it is pretty effective having two range. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do do we want to talk about the uh, the inspiration mechanics uh, because they are different? Yeah, this is a weird one. Yeah. So with Ripa, you can just put two upgrades on him, and he'll inspire. Um, and then for the other two guys, all that has to happen is that Ripa has to be attacked. So if he's just the target of an attack action, doesn't matter what type. The other two guys inspire. So uh, from my point of view, as a as an opponent. Uh, what I would do is I would largely ignore Ripa until later in the game, just because I don't want to give Stabit and Minai the boost. Mm -hmm. So I, I would very often just kind of be like, "All right, you charged in, you just sit there, and I'm going to go after this guy because not yet, not you yet." So yeah. So uh, any other comments about their inspiration mechanics that we think is interesting? Uh, just with the like where you're talking about where you're avoiding attacking. Uh, I had the impression a number of times it, it felt a little Molog like, right? Like mm -hmm. it's this thing where Molog, you're pretty early on making a decision. Like, am I trying to burn Molog down or am I going to try to ignore him and get his squigs? And this is similar where like, am I going to try and burn Ripa down uh, and accept that he's that in, in so doing, I will inspire the, uh, the other two fighters or am I going to try and uh, ignore Ripa in an effort to, farm glory off the other ones and keep him not as handy. Um, right. Not a, not a total, uh, not a total uh, mirror of, of Molog, but there were some similarities for sure. Right. Like Molog is way bigger than those squigs. And these guys are a little bit more balanced to each other. They're a little mm -hmm. bit more like in the middle. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's a little bit of a different, a uh, little bit of a different choice, especially depending on where you are on the board uh, at the time. Uh, um you know, because if Molog's like really far away, then, you know, obviously you want your, if you're like jumping into the back to go after squigs, you want the squigs to be uninspired. But if you're not close to the squigs, then it might just be better to burn down Molog. Whereas here with these guys, they're all kind of in the same range as far as uh, their their abilities and, and their power. Uh, Rip is obviously a little bit better, but uh, but not to the same extent that the squigs and Molog are. Sure. 
So it's kind of a, I think it's kind of a judgment call depending on what's going on. All right. Um, so uh, play style, what do we think here, Davey? I mean, I think they're clearly the first, uh, they're, they're the more heavy, sorry. They're, I, I'd say they're the heaviest aggro so far of the Beast Grave um, era. Uh, we've, we've seen yeah, that some with, uh, with the first two war bands, they, they have some aggro tendencies, but, uh, these guys can, uh, get a lot of work done with that, but they're a weird aggro, right? Because they are doing it with, uh, quantity over quality as far as attacks goes. Like they're not, they're not coming in with the one huge four damage hit. They're, they're trying to stack up a bunch of, of different ones and that kind of, that kind of changes things, uh, adjust things. Uh, but also, um, I, the other parallel I found was uh, with far striders where you have just a few fighters and you're trying to figure out how to uh, apply the pressure of your full three fighters onto one part of the enemy warband to, to bust it down without getting counterpunched too hard. Yeah, they definitely yeah, do feel very similar to far strider. I think at least. Yeah, I mean, what do we think about objective play with these guys? It's it seems like not that great an idea. I mean, it's always it, it's always a, a problem with when you only have three fighters because uh, whenever somebody says objective play, you're thinking supremacy, like that's kind of the archetypal uh, uh, objective play card. Um, so that's obviously kind of out. The question is whether there's like any aggro warband, you need to have a plan for if somebody diagonals you, right? Like if somebody's if somebody's trying to stand off, how are you going to get glory on your way in? Uh, they have a few ways to do it, but uh, uh, in in particular, like there's some ways they can flex a little bit into that. We're going to talk about some of those cards, but um, Conquered Land is one where it's it's the sort of reclaim the lamentary, hold all objectives in one territory. That's a way to get something uh, if you could place the objectives uh, cleverly to uh, to to kind of get yourself some seed glory to to start your next round. Absolutely. Um, do you, what do we think of the, about these guys as like tome carriers? Do we think that that's a play style that maybe could work with these guys? Uh, I think so. I don't think me or Davey have have tried that yet, but I think I think they definitely could um, be good for tomes because um, there's they they have decent defense and health, and then also the all the the tomes are all like pretty good for them, like especially the. Um, Tome of Offerings. And we also, you know, when we go through building the decks, um, we kind of determine that they don't have any, they don't have, they only really have one um, restricted card that they, that we would consider an auto include. So having Accolade of the Cataphranes isn't too much of a, of a big deal in the three restricted slots. All right, cool. Um, anything else about playstyle before we move on to faction specific cards? I mean, I just think you you definitely shouldn't go objectives or even too much in the flex direction because these guys um, they they don't have any way to like make up actions or on or activations on movement. They don't have like the Varklav push thing. They don't have the the uh, resurrect thing that the Grimwatch have. So I wouldn't I wouldn't go that route with these guys. It's right. definitely just and, only and aggro. Did you guys find yourself, especially in the first round, um, drawing a card on your first activation basically every time? Because I feel like I saw that a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's a thing where you have uh, where you have 
three fighters and four activations, what are you going to do with that fourth activation? Uh, and if it's, if whatever you could do is not more valuable than drawing a card, then just draw a card. Um, every once in a while I would, you know, see the first one, like if you've got, if you've got some way to, uh, score an immediate pretty quick. So, you know, if it was calculated risk or if somebody was taking, um, bold conquest or something like that, that you can get a glory right out of the gate, then maybe you do that to see what your next immediate is. But the the safest and often most efficient thing is to, is to draw a card um, early on. Yeah. Um, I used to do that with Malog all the time. Like my first one or even two activations were generally drawing cards. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, and this is not a play style thing, but that I would point out is if, if you are going to play um, with this war band or, or expect to be playing against it a lot, it's that's the, time to go over to well of power and read up on how to uh how to understand uh reaction timing because uh, there's a lot of a lot of potential conflicts a lot of ways to get it wrong with these guys with uh how that yeah, wolf those... attack interacts with other things you know all that sort of thing so you, you want to make sure you you uh know how all that goes together yeah, so and, and in their cards too in their cards that there's a lot of like complex rule interactions in their cards and the fighter cards mm -hmm. and you really need to be you know, on the, on top of your core game rules to the, the nuances of the core game rules to be able to play these guys right. effectively. Mm -hmm. The attack correctly. sequence, how reactions work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause a lot right, of their, so... a lot of their infaction cards deal with like the different timing windows of, of the game, which can be difficult to understand for new players. Or or not or, or old players, players. yeah, <laughs> yeah I've, I've or old players who didn't read the <laughs> new read rule. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. So faction specific cards. All right. So if you you're playing these, we have a few ideas of faction specific cards that you may want to take a look at. Uh, one of the things we've noticed as Beastgrave, uh, this Beastgrave season has continued, is that uh, the faction specific cards seem to be getting. Uh, more viable they're they're not quite you know bubble or trash cards anymore some of them are like really ones that you you really want to take a good look at um here's a few ideas that we have and i'll, I'll send this uh you know these to to randall and and davy because they're the ones who have been playing them um but uh let's get started with the objectives there one of the fact specific objectives we've already mentioned is conquered land uh which is again a reprint of reclaim the lamentary for these guys um how do you think this this card is different for uh you know for a group like art guardians where you have you know four uh fast you know characters versus where this one where you only have three uh i think i think by default it's slightly harder for these guys not having as many fighters to spare but it's possibly more important because they need some way to score glory if somebody's uh diagonaled and hiding in the back of their board this is a way to do that uh, if they if they don't have options available, then they they don't have any way to incentivize the other person to you know to kind of get the lead out and start making some riskier moves. So I I think that's the role that that card plays, and I think that's why it's important for this deck. Um, and I think it can be scored early as that kind of card that I'm talking about, or sometimes it's it's scorable late if if uh, one of the territories just has one uh, one objective left in it for whatever reason, or maybe you deployed them that way. Uh, if you've got a lead, you can protect it by retreating back onto that one and, and getting your two. Yeah, I've had I've had opponents do that to me before. 
where they would they, they were in and then they just like left i'm like where are you going and they landed on an objective I'm like oh i see what you're doing mm -hmm. um so yeah uh well, I, I i think a lot has to do with like your feature token placement you have to be very careful with that because sometimes feeding your opponent you know a bunch of uh a bunch of feature tokens is is dangerous especially depending on the matchup uh, but you know, always remember if you're going to do something like this and you want to make sure there's only one in your territory, you know, maybe put yours on no one's territory or something right. like that. I mean, that's, that's where you go. If you can get them into no one's territory or up, up near the front, then, uh, then you incentivize uh, an objective holding war band to go sit on those. And if they're coming up into no one's territory, then you have a lot better chance of actually pulling right. off some of the aggro things you want to do. Yeah, with, with this card, what I would like to do is typically if I won the board placement, I would, you know, and I only get two objectives, what I would do is put one in my territory and then one in no one's territory and in, in the middle. Because that way it's harder to, to score um, swift capture if mm -hmm. one's in the middle. And then the other thing is, uh, you know, you just have one guy like um, stab it or something like that, hang back on that that one objective in your territory and you can score this. And then um, if somebody, if, if you lose the board roll off and you get the objectives and somebody sets up like a diagonally or, or, or horizontally or not horizontally, um, vertically, then you can just put the two, you can put two in your territory and one in the middle and then just kind of spend the first round standing on those two objectives and getting the, your, your two glory. Um, or, and or you can wrestle surprise round. one away. Mm -hmm. What? Or you can wrestle surprise one away. Yeah. If you have it. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. So let's uh let's move on. Uh, another one we have here is Cruel Hunters. Uh, this one says a duel. It's uh, score this in an end phase. Two glory. If two or more enemy fighters are out of action and one or more friendly fighters are in enemy territory, uh, we find ourselves in this situation a lot. Yeah, it's tough against certain warbands. Like if they only have three models or four models, it's it can be kind of hard to do that sometimes. But you know, against things like Thorns or Grimwatch, it's very easy to to do. And it's basically what they want to be doing anyway. They want to be killing, and a lot of times they're going to have to be in their opponent's territory in order to do that. And they have the speed to get there. So yeah, I I find it it only really gets difficult on on when the warbands counts get down to four or three but even then uh if you think of this almost as a third end phase often there's enough damage done to each other that by the third end phase there's a couple out that that third one can be real tough because maybe they've got all the upgrades stacked on them uh but uh hmm. not, not quite as hard as as uh i thought it would be when i first saw it right the yes. the language on it is is pretty loose it's just if your opponent has two um Fighters out of action, right? It's yeah, they didn't have forgiving. to kill them. Could that have been round. Doesn't have to be in this, yeah. right? It doesn't have to be in this round. Yep, but it, yeah, it can be. It can be really awkward if it's in your opening hand, or you're playing against something like Lady Harrow or um, Iron Soul Condemners, or yeah, totally you know, something like that. Just stuff that's tough to kill. I yeah. gotcha. All right, uh, the next one we like is uh, leading the charge. Right? Did I read that right? Yeah, leading mm -hmm. the charge. Good. Okay, leading the charge. Uh, this is a surge. Score immediately if your leader makes a successful attack action as part of a charge action. And this counts as for either uh, the the Grot or the Wolf? Uh, well, if you chose to make the charge attack with the Wolf. But the thing oh, is... Oh, right. If okay. Actually, if, if you're talking about the after an activation, that's no longer a charge. So. 
Gotcha. So that that is true. So this is uh, still we still like this one. I I do because it's a way to get uh, get glory with doing what you want to do, which is put Ripa in harm's way um, before the others. Uh, and all you need is a success. And so this is one of the times when you're drawing for that first card, you are looking for uh, an accuracy boost, maybe to help out with this. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I think this is solid. It's a way to get glory early uh, as an immediate as well. Big deal. Yeah, and a lot of the the score immediately for aggro warbands kind of rotated out of the game. So it's tough to find good score immediately for a warband like this. And that's definitely one that is a little risky, I'd say, but it's it's good enough. Sure. All right. Uh, next one coming up. This is a uh, loaded with plunder, uh, which is a two uh, glory score at the at any end phase. Uh, if one or more friendly fighters has three or more upgrades. Uh, so it's almost like escalation for a single character mm-hmm. and it can it doesn't have to be in that round. Uh, I can see this being really good, especially because the whole point is to put a bunch of upgrades on Ripa. Sure. Uh, well, I've also seen it. I mean, I've, I've scored it maybe almost as often. No, that's not true. I say a third of the time I'm scoring it with one of the other fighters because somebody decided they were going to take Ripa down. But sure. uh, but it is great end phase glory for you know stuff that you're doing anyway in the course of the game. Um, it minimally affects how you're playing. Like every once in a while, you're like, ah, this upgrade I really want to put on, you know, uh, mean eye, but, uh, but I've already got one. I've already got two on stab it. So I guess this is going to go on stab it to make sure I can score. Right. Just to make sure it gets scored. Yeah. I gotcha. It's super thematic. Yeah. I mean, these guys love to be love, love their stuff. So that's cool. But yeah, I can see this totally played with these guys. I, I think it's a pretty, pretty much an auto included for them. I'd agree. And it's another, uh, and, and it's a really good non-immediate, you sure. know, non-surge card. And with with uh, enough immediates, uh, you can sometimes score this even in the uh, even in the first round. You know, if you if you manage to get one kill with whoever was closest, and then a couple of your immediates, and you got three. And, I mean, if, it, it can work out where all of a sudden you have uh, just a just a few act, actions that you were able to, you know do it doesn't look like you're making all that much headway but all of a sudden you spike up and uh and get this to boost and it really starts accelerating your way cool cool all right another one that we really liked was uh no mercy this is a surge score immediately after a friendly fighter's successful attack action that targeted an enemy fighter with one or more wound tokens one glory for this one uh so this is pretty great because all you have to do is hit a guy and then hit a guy with the wolf and you got it. Yep. Yeah. And also uh, it's helpful when, if you have so, like uh mean eye shoot somebody early, you know, a lot of times you can deploy him like in range of enemies if they have seven models. And so you can just kind of shoot them in the first activation and then charge them later with somebody else. Sure. Yeah, this that's an example of when I may not be drawing a card is if I've got no mercy in hand. And uh, I, every once in a while, even stab it might be in range right at the start. But whatever the case may be, let me try and ping a wound off either either by actually succeeding at the attack or or driving somebody back into a lethal that they're too close to and then give me a chance to uh, to get no mercy a little easier later in the round. Exactly. Or just target whoever they, you know, calculated risked with. Exactly. You know? A lot of different ways to get to score this card. I, I see this happening quite a bit. 
All right. Um, you ready to move on to gambits, faction specific gambits? I'm sure. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, the first one we got is a uh, narrow escape, and that is uh, play this when a friendly fighter is dealt damage before placing wound tokens on that fighter card. Reduce the damage by one to a minimum of one. And I hate this. This card. is Max. This is the, <laughs> this is Max's least favorite card. I hate this card. This is so annoying because it's demonic resilience or Duarden resilience, which is fine. But at least then I know what to do. You know, like sure. okay, I'm not gonna be able to deal that much damage. All right, then I guess I'll just draw a card and I'll and I'll titch in the next one. Yeah. This is like surprise. Right. You can't kill me. Um, well, and what makes this, well, a couple things I think make this particularly powerful. One, it, uh, occupies a reaction window that is not shared by, uh, very many other cards, if any, uh, none, not, certainly none spring to mind. So it combos very nicely with a couple of, uh, other cards that we'll talk about. Uh, but for two, uh, it, it impacts the game. Once you know, once you're aware that this card exists, I mean, it, it feels bad when you get surprised by it, but once you know this card exists, it has to, it has to modify the whole way you are running your attacks like you're every time you're trying to attack you're trying to do it with one more damage than you need until you've seen this card drop uh and that that in itself is a powerful effect yeah absolutely it's almost like kind of knowing that your like opponent has rebound or something like that it's like oh now that's part of my calculus mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's bad news um and i think that uh i think that uh opponents of this warband have to remember that in the back of their mind they probably have this I probably uh, interject is, somewhere, yeah. Yeah, which is which is it's powerful. It's powerful that that type of knowledge. Um, all right, so yeah, definitely take that one. Uh, the next one is pack tactics, and that's pack tack. I like that. I just pack tack. It just rolls off the tongue. Choose a friendly fighter and up to two. Choo choose one friendly fighter and up to two friendly fighters adjacent to that fighter. Push each chosen fighter one hex. So at worst, it's sidestep. And mm -hmm. at best, it's three sidesteps. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't often find that I've got everybody standing next to each other, but like you said, at worst, it's sidestep, and sidestep's a pretty great card. So right. That's... So does this replace sidestep, or is this like an extra one? I mean, worst you Depends replace sidestep because, right? Like you said, it's it's strictly better. Uh, and then the the question is, do you do you add sidestep on on the top of that and? Uh, I think there's there's good arguments either way. Positioning ploys are always always powerful. I All found right. this card to be really effective. Um, like a lot of times, I remember one time I was playing against Max, and I had, you know, one one of my fighters was adjacent to his, and then my other one that I wanted to bring in was just one space too too short from making it into contact with something else, and so I just moved him up behind that other fighter I had and then played this and then I was able to get both of them in range to attack in the next activation. There's nice. some creative ways you can you can use it. You can um you know use it to to get a supporting attack. You can move your guy close to you know adjacent to one of your own guys and then in the next activation you you pop this, push both of them and then you have a nice supported attack on one guy. That's hard to plan around for your opponent. Right. Um, it's a, it's a extremely, this is what you were saying a little bit before with the, um, the fact that this warband has like a high skill ceiling. I think this card is one of the cards that contributes to that because 
there are a lot of creative ways you can use this other than just being like, oh, I, I push my one guy, you know, onto the objective or whatever. So, you know, there, there's there's different ways you can use this to where it, it can blow your opponent out. Yeah, great point. Yeah, you're you can use your your movement and leverage that with this card to to do something even more <clears throat> even more yeah. uh impactful. And you can do you can sort of hide the, you know, a lot of times you want to use a move action with these since you only have 3, you don't want to charge. You can just do like a move action and then your opponent will be like, "Okay, well he just moved and I'm not adjacent to him, so I don't have to worry about that." And then you throw down pack tactics and you move two characters and then both of them are in range and supporting each other. So yeah, it's it's pretty good stuff. Cool. But again, high high skill ceiling on that. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to, 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 really to work doing. out the math on that. Yeah. Yep. Um. All right. Next one we got. Um. Hey, for, do you like Haymaker? How <laughs> would you like one that's basically the same card, but it's faction specific, yeah, and you don't no have downside. to worry about defense? <laughs> exactly. Vindictive attack, which is exactly Haymaker. Only you don't have to worry about the defense negative. Yeah, there's so, not really much this. to say here. It's just a super good card just, that. It's just better, yeah. It's just yeah. better haymaker. <laughs> so we have, so we have better sidestep, and we have better haymaker. Yeah. Well, and what I like though is that this shows that the design team was kind of taking a look at uh, what what cards could be tolerated with this warband. If you are putting plus two dice with no downside into a warband that is coming in with damage capable of one shotting people, and that's a problem. That's but yeah, that's a that's, problem. But here, here, you know, if if you don't have any upgrades on. Uh, you're giving this to a, a a two, a one, or a one damage attack are your are your opening things, and uh, because the uh, because the wolf attacks can't be modified, uh, you can't you can't even help out that piece of it either. Uh, so I, I think uh, I think they're pretty savvy when they design this card, and I, I yeah, it makes it. it makes more sense with these guys than anything else. Sure. All right, so that's what uh, we quick, got. As quick, far as... quick side note: um, I was playing against it. Davey with these guys, and he used this in combination with Potion of Rage on Stab It and threw seven dice at me and didn't hit with a single one. Yeah, I was yeah. I was throwing it. <laughs> curse of Rajay. Yeah, it's the uh, super curse of Rajay. I threw it at the uh, uninspired Chain Rasp, I, yes. and I was I was trying to score. Uh, I was trying to score the uh, was it the Tonk Savage? What's the kill two and be in the savage hunters uh, or cruel hunters cruel hunters is trying to so i needed to get one more dead like that so i'm like ah, it's silly to throw seven dice at this guy but i'm going to do it because it's it's a huge glory <laughs> swing and missed but i happened to be standing next to an inspired chain rasp and my wolf bite killed it so that was <laughs> you throw seven dice at the the one dodge seven dice miss, not good it. enough one dice yeah good enough. <laughs> nailed it yeah so. all right and uh, now we have one that I've seen quite a bit. This is Furious Reprisal, a reaction. Play this after an enemy fighter's attack action that targeted a friendly fighter. That friendly fighter makes an attack action that must target this enemy, that enemy fighter, and you can re-roll any number of dice in that attack roll. That's pretty great. Uh, and then also, doesn't that sit in the window of some other things, like maybe maybe trap or, or a pit trap or snare or something like that? Uh, so specifically, this is after. because it's after an attack. Uh, it it uh, occupies the same as pit trap, but also uh, pretty importantly, it'll occupy uh, the same window that is held by all these cards that say, "If you miss, attack again." So, right. Uh, so like echoing spite or something like that. Yeah. From the, uh, from the banshees. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and and so that's any any reaction that occupies the defensive half of the 
of the after an attack action is inherently powerful for the things it can block up because defensively you're almost always trumping the offensive one unless there's some weird timing thing going on. Uh, but it is important to note that, and, and Randall, I think you and I kind of came down on different sides of this card originally when we, we were first, I think uh, you you called it, and I quote, Garbo. Um, <laughs> and, but this is like garbage and Gabo together. Uh, it, it, I just, uh, he was speaking fast. He had places to be. Um, gotcha. Yeah, but, I, can't, uh, I can't be bothered to type the whole word out. <laughs> There's so uh, many letters in gar- the word garbage. Yeah. It's but this, like very this is because your, your opponent has the ability to drive you back uh, before you get to trigger this card. So Rip is kind of bummed out on this unless he's got some kind of upgrade because he this this will do him no good if he's driven back. Um, oh, is that but, right? Right, right. They have to do yeah. their because it's after the whole it's attack after action. The whole attack, oh, yeah, so, it's after yeah. the whole act, yeah. which includes the drive back. Yep. But here, here's huh. here's why I still think it's good because this is this is similar to narrow escape, right? Where it's going to change the way someone plays just because they know it could be out there. So if you go in, uh, you know, a great example is somebody like, uh, let's say, Gristlewell. He's got a low accuracy attack. He's going to go in, but now all of a sudden the potential penalty for him just hardcore whiffing on his attack is much worse. He gets stabbed in the face, yeah. Yeah, because he can attack back. This combos nicely with some other cards, like anyone who's got range too. So once uh, Stabbit's got great strength on, uh, Stabbit's pretty happy to do this. Um, if you get uh, a spear or larval lance or something like that, it combos nicely. Uh, but also, you know, it, it sometimes you'll have a, a fighter will attack, they'll miss. And they've got to decide. So, you know, even think about um, think about ghosts, think about thorns. You know, often if they miss, they're like, well, I don't want to drive you back because I'd like to inspire off you. But now they got to think about doing it, even if that's not what they want to do in order to, to, to potentially deny this card or make this card harder. Um, mm. So as, a, as a, another great combo is with uh, narrow escape. So first you, because they don't occupy the same window, so you say, yeah, you thought you were hitting me for lethal damage, but you didn't. And also, by the way, I I'm lived and I'm going to attack yeah. you back. And I'm going to reroll the dice, which is an effect that I had totally forgotten was on the card for the first six or seven games I played it. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, despite the fact that I said those words to you, I did end up using <laughs> this, this, uh, this card in every single game I played um, mm-hmm. to varying effectiveness. Um, the problem with it is, <laughs> Obviously, the the fact that they can do the the pushback on you, and then it kind of doesn't work as well because you you really most of the time you want to be using the the snarl fang jaws when somebody attacks you and you play um, this card because sure. you get to re-roll yeah. the one die. Certainly, early in the game, that usually that's does more damage. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Um, and then even if like, let's say they do push you back and you can still use it, you're doing it like on stab it or whatever. He's just a two dice uh, for one damage or, you know, same thing with, mm-hmm. with Minai also. So it's like, it's not super effective to do it like that. But once you get the upgrades going, um, or if you can use it to, uh, blank out somebody else's reaction card, it is, it is very good. Mm-hmm. And with the, uh, with the loss of ready for action from the game there's not nearly as many things that provide additional attack actions. Right, so attacking in that power phase, yeah. 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 Any anytime you see anytime you see that kind of card come out, you need to give it real close attention to see. because uh, it's a it's a pretty powerful effect. 
Yeah. All right. Just remember to, um, just remember that it's after the pushback. Yes. That's the that's the important part. Okay. We're done with talking okay. about this, I think. Next one, uh defensive maneuvre. <laughs> maneuvre. Maneuver. Defensive maneuver. Um choose uh one friendly fighter. And then it does like two kind of cool things that other things do. You can push the fighter up to one hex away from the nearest enemy fighter. And then on top of that, give that friendly fighter one guard token. So you get to go on guard for free and also make range. Yeah. And we've seen faction cards with other warbands that specifically are just a guard card that say go on guard. So this is that plus like plus a, a, a limited yeah. sidestep uh, if you want up it. to. Yeah, yeah. Up to right there. Yeah. It's uh yeah, and and you're always going to take a guard token if you can get one. I don't think there's any reason not to. There's a couple of uh, corner case cards that people aren't really using, but yeah. Yeah, there's like that one Condemners card where if your opponent has a guard token, you score it immediately. But besides that, I can't think of anything. Yeah, being on guard is also good because it prevents you from getting hit by snare or pit trap. So, and dying to lethal hexes, and just sure. dying. Yeah, usually I mean, helps. This is a nice card to have early for uh, someone like Ripa. You you charge in, you take your take your swing, see if you can make something happen. Uh, and because it's a power step thing, you can even get your wolf bite in, and then you drop that, step back out, and say, okay, now if this fighter wants to counter punch me, they're gonna have to charge, so they're only gonna get one chance at it. Also, on and the inspire my other two guys. Right? Yeah, exactly. So him, you right. can make that a really unpalatable choice. Um, so this is, this is a card I really like having early on, but uh, I almost always find some kind of some kind of use for it. It's pretty cool. And this is good against. Um... The Briar Queen also, when she tries to teleport in on you, sometimes you can get out, depending oh, on yeah. the position. Like, if she teleports directly next to you, then you can't do it, because she has range two, but mm -hmm. um, if she tries to teleport and still be in, like, you know, like, one away from you and still attack, then it can help you get out. Well, even if she teleports next to you, a lot of times people do that uh, sudden appearance to not only bring her into range, but also they'll do it right before their activation with the intention of inspiring her. Right, right. So, so like, I'm going to drop in, I'm going to go to, yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm going to go to three damage, maybe I'm going to push you into lethal, and you say, well, no, you're not going to inspire, and also I'm on guard, so the lethal is out of the, out of the uh, equation as well. Yeah, super so good against big, the Briar Queen, yeah. which is a popular warband, so... Fact. The only thing you play with this card. Oh, is it? Yep. <laughs> is that? Hold on, let me check my sources. Yeah, no, it's popular. Okay. He did the um, math. We, yeah. I did the math. We we have to. We have a couple of bubble cards that we kind of like, but we're not like super stoked about. But we just want to mention them. If you want to give them, a, give them a look. Uh, the first one is Savage Mauling. And this is a, uh, a first, uh, the first range one or two uh, attack action made by a friendly fighter. And the next activation has plus one dice and plus one damage for each supporting friendly fighter. Why is this a bubble card? Uh, it requires a board state and or other upgrades that allow it to do its thing. It's even useful. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. it, it, it doesn't do anything by itself. You either have to right. be you either have to be naturally supported on the board, or you have to have a spirit bond or bonded um, to count as being supported. But I do think this card's pretty cool because these guys uh, kind of lack a lot of damage early on, especially. Mm -hmm. So if you can get if you can bump you know like Ripa's damage up to three early on and dice the accuracy yeah. too, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it takes a little bit of doing, right? But but you have bonded, you have spirit bond, you have a lot of push tech. 
I mean, I, I feel as I feel as though if you're if you're smart about it, you can get this to to really be pretty. I mean, th- look, the the most you're ever going to get is plus two dice plus two damage. That's that's the highest it's ever going to go. But that's a lot if you can swing it. I don't. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, you might be right. I was trying to figure out if there's another way. There, you could combo some weird other things in, but yeah, um, where you know things where a fighter counts as more than one supporting fighter or something like that. But you're, yeah, you're entering so. entering in a territory where. Uh, yeah, I don't meaning. like those with the, with these guys too much. The ones where you count as being a additional supporting fighter. Yeah, I like just having spirit bond bonded and then the uh, pack tactics to try to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, supported. This this ends up bubbled just because it is by definition a combo card. You're either having to combo this card with another upgrade or a combo with a particular <laughs> board state, uh, yeah. and that that always makes makes me gives me a little bit of pause if it. If it needs some extra setup to happen, yeah. When you can only run t- ten cards in your deck, yeah. or I mean, when well, what, yeah, the, when the minimum is ten and you want to run ten, it's hard to justify this card that is only good in combination with other things, and can just be stranded in your hand for a while if you if you can't set it up. On the other hand, I feel as though, and this is, I guess, why it's a bubble card. It, it, it I do feel like there are opportunities for this to arise, but I, but I can see what you're saying. Um, sure. all right, so let's, let's, let's just, uh, say it's a bubble card. Um, that's why it's a bubble card. Here's another bubble card. We got it for you. Uh, unbridled ferocity, which is a reaction ploy. Play this after a friendly fighters failed snarl fangs, jaws, attack action. This fighter makes a snarl fangs, jaws, attack action. So it's basically one of those like reattacks, but it's only for the snarl fangs jaws. And I guess it would work if you started with the snarl fangs. Or if even in that kind of like after the activation window, it would work in either case. So uh, bubble. Yeah, it's a bubble because it it's good for getting damage out early. I I'd, I'd say, but you know, once you start getting your accuracy upgrades and um, you know you're inspired, you don't really need it too much. Isn't it just effectively like just like a card reroll? Uh, I yeah. Mean- it, you know what it, I mean? It, like you're just re-rolling one die anyway. It's like this basic thing: re-roll or, that one die. Or two, if you're inspired. But yeah, yeah, same, right. same sort of thing. Um, I mean, it, it, it's it. The most charitable way to look at it is this is an extra attack. This is a, a gambit that's giving you an extra attack because at this point you've already missed. So uh, it is it is an attack that you would not otherwise get to make, right? Um, right. But it is on something that is inherently low accuracy and not spectacular damage and we'll never get any better because uh they can't be modified uh with a few kind of weird exceptions um that don't i mean the the strict definition of modifier um that that won't apply but uh so that that's why it ends up on on the bubble is 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 not always the highest value attack that you're getting an extra one of and uh just with positioning uh you're not always getting to get the wolf attack off here all right Sounds good. Uh, you guys ready to move on to object uh, upgrades, rather? Mm-hmm. So uh, we got uh, three upgrades we like that are faction-specific, the first one being bonded. Uh, when this fighter makes an attack action that targets an adjacent enemy fighter or is the target of an attack action made by an adjacent enemy fighter, this fighter is considered to have one additional supporting fighter. Oh, so this would be one of those ways you can get a third. I guess from the from the one from before, right, right. If both if both your other fighters were supporting, and then you also and had then you also had this, yeah. right? You'd have three, and then you'd have plus three dice and plus three damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's almost that's tough to pull happen. off. Yeah, yeah, that's tough to pull off. Be uh, but anyway, glorious but, when it did though, right? 
So this is pretty great. It's a uh, spirit bond, but it works uh, and it works on both um, attack and defense. Um, but the only issue is that you have to be adjacent to the enemy to make it happen. Yeah, spirit. But you're going to do that anyway. That, yeah. So the difference, right? But you're going to do that anyway because the, the the snarl fangs. Right. The difference be between this anyway. and spirit bond is it only works when you're getting attacked or attacking when you're adjacent, which spirit bond doesn't say. You can you know you can use range attacks with spirit bond. It still works. Um, but spirit bond also forces you to choose one of your other fighters to like bond to the person who has the upgrade, whereas bonded you don't. So there's no way to like play around like yeah. you can with spirit bond. And the reason we're hot on this, and we, we probably should have mentioned this already, is that uh, Snarlfangs with the wolf attack, which is a big part of their design space, uh, that Snarlfang attack can't be modified, but giving supports is not a modifier. Giving rerolls right. is not a modifier. So anytime... Anytime you find a way to get extra supports or extra rerolls, uh, that's a card to pay attention to, to, to say like, oh, there, there's probably extra value here because it is effectively they need increasing. Accuracy. Yeah. Right, exactly. I mean, you think of it essentially it changes an inspired wolf attack to uh, two smash instead of two fury. Um, that's a big deal. So, yep. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, boss hat is not one that we talked about, but I just love the card because it's like a grot holding a hat you know, wearing a hat and just saying how cool they are. Yeah, 10, 10 so out of 10 just, flavor text on that one. <laughs> I think flavor text is, is pretty great. Um, not not super great card because, you know, what's his name? The rip has got to be dead, which is not something you want. Um, but yeah. uh, flavor text on point. Uh, the next one we have is uh, uh, Embittered Survivor is the next one we said. Uh, just plus one wounds. I mean, always good. You can mm. also stack that with like, you know, Tome of Vitality and and great fortitude and then you have like a you know seven you know wound you know yeah brought on a wolf i definitely think you want several plus health upgrades with this warband sure. i think i lobbied for one, it, at least yeah. yeah i lobbied for its inclusion specifically because uh when when tomes uh and sudden growth rotate out there's gonna be a lot less theoretically a lot less uh universal oh. health upgrades and so mm -hmm. any warband that's got an infaction great fortitude is gonna is gonna be a big deal. Um, so right now, for the additional snacking, you can already do, but uh, in the future, for what it may may provide, if uh, if there are no replacements for things like tome uh, of vitality. Cool. All right. Uh, next one is circling hunter. This is a reaction upgrade after the fighter's attack action, but not during a super action, or after and it's so not during scything, right? That's what they're right. That's about. it. And there's a lot of people get confused about this because uh, the super action people are most used to thinking about is a charge. charge now, during right. a charge, would you know basically once you once the attack is done on the charge, the charge is over. So this can be used right. after a charge is complete because it's not during the charge; it's after. But if you're scything, if you're hitting multiple things, sure. you can't move in each one. So it so the rest of it says yeah. uh, on this fighter's attack action, but not during a super action, or after an attack action that targets. This fighter, but not during a super action, somebody scything at you, mm -hmm. uh, push this fighter one hex. So yeah. you get one push from yeah. this, but one push after either attacking or getting attacked is pretty good. Sure. And a couple of reasons here, I think it's particularly, uh, I'm, I'm hot on this one, is uh, one, especially late in the game, you often end up with just one or two fighters left, or you might have two fighters, but only one's in a useful position. Uh, and so this lets you kind of surf around as you make your attacks. Uh, especially if, uh, stab it with range two or something like that is is just blasting people into lethals with his knockback and they right. get to or take the other a step. two guys 
the other yeah. two guys have the have the grot bow so sure it's, it's yeah uh but but almost more important in in my opinion is the defensive version of this uh because somebody attacks you drives you back uh you can step back into wolf bite range um right. so that's that's a big deal and we've already talked about how powerful it is to occupy the after and attack action in the defensive window so this is another this, is, this occupies both right you have you have the you have two you basically have two effects on here they're just kind of listed all in the one thing um and because you have that defensive option you can use this to block pit trap you can use it if somebody misses and you suspect basically unless you have a strong reason not to always take this push because you could be blocking a card out of their hand all right it's also good against objective warbands if you try to just run onto the objective to prevent them from standing on it and then they try to knock you off with some push you off you can step attack, right back you just on go right back on yeah yeah, yeah step right back Absolutely. on uh and there's there's some more uh more esoteric cases but like um you know on has got her card action where if she you can block her uh oh no i guess not because she would have uh would taken dead. you out yeah. if that way yeah <laughs> uh no but uh Ilthari, how about you know after this yeah. fighter uh successful roll the spell you know so uh mm. i'm not sure oh could you actually do that would that work we're like she just can't she can't uh, do the healing and, and inspiring thing. You can just well, have this. She and... had the, if she hit you, if she got a crit with a spell attack. Right. Right. And you, you could then block you it block out it. with the after yeah. uh, more clear. That, that one's not quite as clearly because it's after successfully casting a spell. But I think that's at the completion of that spell. But like Scathil, huh. uh, Scathil, uh, as long as you're using this is never going to get his plus one damage for a crit because he can surf, a, uh, surf into the window that occupies the same thing. So just, just Weird. keeping an eye out for uh, all the weird little interactions that you can block with that. Um, there's a lot. Like I said early on, uh, understand reaction interactions uh, if you want to run this warband. All right, guys, let's talk about some universals that might work really well with Rippa's. Uh, Davey, uh, you suggested keep them guessing. Yeah, and this one is a little bit stolen from uh, Jonathan Davis. He built a deck that had this, and I... I don't know that it would have come to it my, on my own, but uh, the big deal here is that you can make a charge. So check off the charge from your list and then react with the wolf bite. And that checks off an attack from your list. And often the charge and the attack are, you know, what those are, those are the two sort of difficult to combo sort of things on there, uh, especially if you're a warband that doesn't have a, uh, a special action. So once you've got those two checked off, it just means, all you have to do, all you have left to do is move and go on guard with the other two. Um, and that makes this what, again, back to the, back to the original, what makes that important for this is if you can manage to pull that off with Ripa in the first round, then you're guaranteed to uh, score out, keep them guessing uh, and get you that, get you that uh, C glory if they're trying to uh, play super defensively. So this is, this is reliable. Um, and it, but although it does sometimes, uh, make you a little bit inefficient but yeah it's most mostly based around that ability to check off two in a basically what is a single activation that still gives you one one to spare yeah and i'm thinking like if you put in something like potion of grace you could technically score that with one fighter mm -hmm. right because you can put them on guard and then move potion of grace take it off and then do the charge and rip a snarl fang uh and do this the snarl fang so that uh that's like what three object three um activations Mm -hmm. But you could score it with one fighter if that's all you yeah. have left. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about Potion of Grace, but that's that might be pretty fun for like getting a deep dive with Ripper or something like that. 
Right. I mean, it's a little, it's a little fringy, but I mean, it's at least something that you have in your back pocket. Yeah, we'll, we'll and talk also, about you... that when we get to upgrades. But I think Potion of Grace hasn't been a card that I haven't seen anyone use in a really long time. But I think it could be really good with the. I mean, especially if they're going to longboard you or diagonal you through those, uh, you know, through the shard pit, you know. <laughs> yeah. You might want to. You need to get around that, right? Okay. Uh, so keep them guessing. Sounds like something you could do. Uh, gathered momentum, we like. I think gathered momentum is good in a lot of groups right now, especially the ones that have the higher uh, movements, especially mm -hmm. with um, spectral wings coming back. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so we like once, this one with these guys. Once they're inspired, it's pretty trivial to score. You will occasionally just get lucky and score it. Uh, by mm -hmm. scoring other other immediates that's just like a side bonus but yeah it can be a little awkward though because a lot of times the guy you want you you really need to charge is like one space away from you but you have to charge uh, yeah. somebody <laughs> five away so yeah this card's a little awkward to be honest what what, what tactics come on what, what makes that a little easier for these guys though is the extra range that they have so you can uh sometimes i mean yeah if they're only one away then you got you got probs but uh if you are using stab it, you can charge past the target, turn around and right. poke them with the yeah, spear. Uh, same with me and I. So uh, it, it's between their speed and their range. This is a, a card that's well made for them. Yeah. You know, um, that's interesting because I have a Banshee's deck that I've been playing a lot of lately and I have gather momentum in there. And there are some situations where the only targets like three away. Yeah. So I can't score it and I have yeah. to find other ways to get to, to, to get it to go. Um, but with these guys, because of their range, they they do have the ability to, they do have more options for this one, right? And then again, you might just score it accidentally, the combo strike way. Um, so next, uh, we have strong start. You're planning on killing stuff, right? Yep. Totes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and it's so unlikely that is, your yeah. fighter will be the first to die in the round. They're I a little it's, tanky. Yeah. It's not like um, playing Grimwatch or something like that. Sounds right. Okay. Uh, fired up. We like, I think fired up is since, since they took it off the, the, the fart, I'm going with fart by the way, because you I know, it's it. me. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to go hard into fart. Uh, more fart jokes, fart like jokes. A... Ugh. Uh, a lucky woman, Max. I know. Uh, speaking of fired up, uh, let's see. So we like that one. It, it came off the fart list and, uh, and now I think it, it really belongs in a lot of decks. It's a really great, you know, uh, non, you know, even with like the, the, the lower amount of uh, surge objectives now fired up just seems very reliable. And I think it's just really strong in the meta in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had yeah. games where I, uh, you know, we'll talk well uh, more about it, but you know, sometimes, you finally bait them into making that attack on on uh, Ripa, and they just score fired up for just existing, basically. You know, so yeah. All right, so the next one we were talking about was calculated risk. Um, you guys like this one? I'm I'm not a big fan of calculated risk in a war band that only has three fighters in it, just because I feel like if you lose one uh, health, that's like kind of a very large percentage of your health pool. I, I've I've seen it used kind of poorly with. Uh, with like curse breakers before. So I'm, I'm a little reticent to throw it in there with the rippers, but, but how think, do you guys feel about it? I think this, this card is actually living up to its name in this warband. It is a calculated oh, yeah. risk. It's I not take, like, like uh, yeah, it's not like with goblins or whatever, where they run their crap guy who is going to die every game anyway, you know, through the thing and get one glory for free. Frog. Yeah. yeah. So 
Like the th- Netta? this one, you really have to. This one, you really have to um, gauge whether or not this will help you out. You know, getting the glory early and scoring the card, drawing a new one is great, but you know, then you're starting out with three and the health, and the warband is a lot less effective when they have three health. Yeah. I'm uh, really worried about doing that with these guys. I'm never sad to see it in my opening hand. I'll, I'll make that statement. Um, I, I guess maybe there's an aggro matchup, but there's, there's so much objective play out there that uh, in in Nightfall, this might have been crazy to include. In Beastgrave, this is totally fine uh, because you, you walk through it, and this gives you that crucial, I keep talking about it, but it gives you that crucial source of glory if they've decided they're not going to fight you. And then uh, Minai walks through, stubs his toe on a lethal. You get some glory, uh, and that gets you an upgrade, which is halfway towards Ripa inspiring, uh, which may it's halfway towards uh, gathered momentum scoring on its on its off chance. Like there's, it's just too valuable to have that glory uh, early on in hand um, in in uh, in the matchups that are bad for you. This is really really good, I guess. Yeah, it is yeah, really I mean, tough to get glory early on with this warband. Other outside of just running in and attacking somebody and killing them. Yeah, especially and, and it's and that is not even an option for you against a warband like Cursebreaker or Iron Soul Condemners or something like that. So, I mean, this, yeah, this I think, is good to have in your deck. So, like, uh, I can specifically think of uh, score calculated risk, get you glory, put potion of rage on Ripa, charge in. Uh, land a hit, get leading the charge, maybe a kill. Uh, all of a sudden, the glory train's r- running. That's your second glory. Now you can inspire Ripa. Uh, now, now you're humming. Like it, this, this helps you get over that hump. And that this warband has it so bad uh, early on. Like it's so hard to figure out what your what your early uh, early moves are with this warband. And calculated risk kind of smooths that out for you. Side note: um, If you use potion of rage on Ripa, and then you use it. That's no longer on him anymore, so that doesn't count towards your upgrades anymore, does it? Sure, right. Right, okay. Just making sure. Um, Okay, so that sounds like you guys like that. The text on Ripa says this fighter has two or more upgrades. Currently, right. So it's not, it doesn't say like you have played two upgrades on this guy. But if you, if it's the second one you put on, he inspires and then even if you use it he stays right, inspired right, right. which is which goes with the rules okay yeah. cool um so uh the next one we like is brought to bay this is actually a new one uh it comes in in the the snarl fangs uh, expansion it is a surge it's also a duel uh you score this immediately if a friendly hunter makes an attack action that takes an enemy fighter out of action and that enemy fighter was in enemy territory it's advancing strike for hunters for hunters yeah right which it, everybody in this group is. So it's basically you just get yeah. advancing strike for free. It is not uh it is not a faction card, but it almost might as well be. Like that this is of the warbands out so far. No, I take that back. I guess yeah. uh I Grim- guess Grimwatch uh, might use it. Scathe. Grimwatch maybe, but Scathe Scathe, Scathe is the one that I, I should like Scathe is yeah. is all in on this. So yeah. I don't think you would use it with uh just spoilers. Yeah, no, those those hunter, hunter guys are kinda little yeah, but I'm, because, I, uh, I guess what I'm saying is like this is a fast aggro hunter warband. Like this, this card is tailor made for them. So I right, I and the and, and the jaws also count as part of the hunter. Yeah. So yeah, the wolves are hunters also. Right, because they're on the per- same. Perhaps card. even more so. Yeah. <laughs> In some cases, I would say so. All right, so we like uh, we like that. <clears throat> Let's see. 
Where was I? Where was I? Okay, so we like uh, brought to bay uh, steady assault. Yeah, I have not included this, but I, I it is. It oh, is there's steady assault. Sorry, I got it. So sure. it's it's a it's a surge, and it is uh, score this immediately after the same friendly fighter's third or subsequent attack action in a single phase. Uh, so this could be done if you start the round next to something and then attack more than once. And then of course the, the snarl fangs counts as an, as the second one. Um, you could definitely use, uh, you know, a push or something like that. I, you can use some of the ploys we were talking about earlier. Uh, what's the one where you could just do the snarl fang for nothing. Unbridled ferocity. And bridal ferocity. So you do that, and then on your next one, you can attack and do them both. And there you go, you scored it. So there, there are definitely ways to do it. Sure. Yeah. And what's important about this is like it does not care what the dice showed. You could have you right. could have missed three times. You got it. You know. Yeah. So. Um, got to just got to declare. Yeah. Uh, Minai lobs a bow shot. Misses. Charges in. Misses. Tries a wolf bite. Misses. I got a glory. Still know. score it. Got yeah. it. All right, so that sounds not terrible for them. I think those are those are worth that's one, that one's worth taking, that especially works with if you the have uh, furious reprisal protect. too, right? It does. Yeah, that's a yeah. great combo. Um, so yeah, you really want to break somebody's heart. It is have them miss, uh, bust out furious reprisal, kill their fighter. You know, get the glory for that. You know, score uh, brought to bay and then score steady assault because you've already attacked twice or something. You know, or like that's a really really pile on the misery. That's it's it's it, it's going to be tough to do this one, but pretty good. Yeah, that's and nice I I can see that situation. Good. I can see that situation popping up, absolutely. Especially if you have push tech. Yeah, so the thing is, this is not. It's not going to be obvious most of the time to score. Oh this. yeah, you're going to have to finagle this somehow with cards in your hand. And I mean, re really, all you got to do is find a way to get an attack outside of an activate or like, or, you know, either across two activations, but as soon as you, as soon as you have like a way to get one attack, then you can, you can always get two more with the, with the charge and reaction. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, do we like swift capture in this group? They're, they're pretty fast. I think it's uh, good for now. And when they come out with more surges, you probably replace it. This it'll be a bubble quickly. card later on. Yeah. 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 I think so too. But the, I think the the amount of surges that are in the game right now are are that are good for these guys are pretty low, and this one is doable at least. Yeah, it's an interesting in point. I, I think my instinct was to uh, to not include this, uh, but if you are doing, you know, if you are placing your first objective like <laughs> one hex inside enemy territory, uh, then this does feed into that thing that I keep talking about of like a way to get glory without uh, without getting all the way to the enemy. So. Um, that is actually, that's a tough one because they, they do like positioning, um, in particular ways. And th this makes you sacrifice some of that. It is going to suck though, when you're playing against the Briar Queen or whatever. And like, if they go first and they're just like, you I've arc onto all, all the objectives. Onto everything. Like, oh, well, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, well, I mean, that's an example of you, you put it, you put, uh, an objective that you could reach just inside their territory. If they want to put somebody on that, that's cool. Like uh, now I've got somebody I can attack, attack and they're them. probably, they're probably a chain rasp. I can probably kill them. Uh, it means brought to bay comes into play. You know, it, it really, that's, that's where you, you kind of make a lot of your, your meat. So, um, yeah. And I like it in the first round because you don't have to commit usually until you, you don't have to commit one of your three fight. You can usually like run Ripa in onto an objective and then they're not going to want to attack him. 
Oh, that's a good. And point. you no. don't have yeah. to commit with um, stab it or Minai. You can just kind of move them backwards onto the one of the objectives, or just sidestep them in, before the in river your thing. territory. Yeah, or sidestep them. Yeah, right. Or pack tactics onto something. Absolutely. Uh, we like Victorious Duel here. Is uh, is Ripa? You, you you said you like this if you're a gambler, Davey. Yeah, if you got, I mean, I I don't know. Did Randall might have been the one to bring this out, one up? But, oh, was it? Uh, no, it was this you. was hundred percent you. Yeah. Oh, was it really? Oh yeah. man! Wow. Uh, I must your position, have been Davey. multiple beers in at that point. What uh, the heck, man? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess if if you are. So what's interesting uh, about this is that there's a way to build Rippas where you are daring them to attack Rippa. And the more stuff you pile on that relies on Rippa, uh, the more pressure you put on them to throw an attack on Rippa and thus inspire your other people. So if they know victorious duel is in your deck, then they're like, Oh man, like Rippa's got to go down before he gets a chance to score a victorious duel. And that creates a, that creates a pressure environment, which is, uh, which can only be good for you. Um, there you go. I think Victorious Duel is a very exciting card, and with this, you have a you have a fast fighter um, who has the potential to lay out some damage. Um, I think uh, I might have I might have said you had to have like uh, brass gonads to uh, to go after this. Be they be they ovaries or balls, you you need uh, you need to uh, really not not sweat the uh, strenuous situations if you're going to run this card. Uh, and I'm I'm not I'm not bold enough to do it, but hats off to you if you are. I mean, theoretically, it could happen. You could charge somebody in the first activation with Ripa, deal two damage to them, and then hit them with the wolf attack and deal four and just sure. kill them. I mean, you know, so it's yeah. a it's a high risk, high reward. Because mm -hmm. it's Very a high two reward. glory score immediately. Yeah. And it takes out their leader, which could be really important. And this guy is actually not too bad at killing uh, Duke Crackmarrow because... You know, he does it's two damage, so... The, twice, yeah, so that card, right. yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, what is that? Impervious Delusion? Is that the one? Yeah. Is yep. that oh, it? yeah, that's a great that's point. The only, I, I think this is the only warband where I've actually that the killed one? the Duke. <laughs> Impervious Delusion. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, the yeah, one. Yeah, you got it. Uh, okay. I always end up, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so. and I think I did that, Max. I think I did that on you in like the second round or something like that. I think I and remember was, seeing that. I, yeah. I mean, I, you didn't have Victorious Duel in your deck. No, I did not. You, yeah, but, but if you I did, did I think kill you would your have had marrow it. in like the second round, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and that was pretty. That was pretty hype. Yeah, that was that was that was the close game. That's right. Um, okay, so gambits. We have uh, well, I mean, distraction sidestep, of course. Uh, transfixing stare seems to be ubiquitous at this point. Um, snare, I think, works really well with these guys because they're all hunters. Yeah, of course, you, need to you want snare, to be definitely. adding damage onto either the regular attack or onto the snarlfang attack. Although lately, people have had so much like anti dryback tech and stuff like that. Like I, I've had a number of games where it just like sat in my hand because mm. uh, I either killed them anyway or uh, or I was not able to drive them back. Um, not to say you shouldn't take it, but uh, it's it's uh, there's some challenges there. Well, yeah, I was right. definitely considering taking both Snare and Pit Trap when I was initially building my deck. Yeah. Um, but the thing, the thing about Snare is it's it's less risk because it's not restricted. Oh, and um, it also doesn't yeah. occupy the after attack action. So if you if you can Snare on your Goblin attack and still bite somebody else with the Wolf, uh, right. you cannot you cannot Pit Trap somebody with your Goblin attack and bite somebody with the Wolf because they they occupy the same spot. Yep. 
So I think mm-hmm. I, I definitely because because of that reason, because people are running more anti push tech and going on guard, um, with like survival instincts and stuff like that. I think j- having just snare and not pit trap is, is probably the way to go, or having neither. But I think having the extra damage is pretty cool. Yeah, Especially they mean they can use it sometimes. Low. Yeah. Uh, how do we feel about aggressive defense? Love it. Love it. Yeah. 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 Well, why does it work so well with these guys? Combos really nicely with uh, narrow escape, um, where you, uh, you they come in. They you know that I'm going to block the drive back, so I can't get pit trapped or snared. Uh, I can't uh, I can't get killed by a lethal. Like you have you know what the damage is going to be, and you know maybe you'll get lucky and they'll miss anyway. But then uh, you get that attack back, and then all, I, I've I've uh, enjoyably had the occasions where I narrow escape with aggressive defense and then also furious reprisal. So heavy assault. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that would, that would go there, but you know, so they, they don't get the kill and then you take two bites right back at them. One, one, which has rerolls or something like that. So there's some very nice combos, uh, with this card, um, that I, I think are totally worth it. Yep. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Just lets you have more attack actions in an activation round. Um, Especially with what now that ready for action isn't in the game anymore. When you have a three model warband, yeah, to have it's extra important to throw those attacking in. actions during your activation, and the cards can help you do that. Sounds good. Uh, we we said that we like uh, commanding stride for this one. Get Rip a little bit a uh, little bit further along. I do same same idea. He's he's uh, out of the gate. He's your most powerful fighter. Um, this is nice for if they have hidden themselves at the back. You can make sure that he gets an attack in on somebody that you can actually do some work on. Um, or if you plunge him in, make an attack, and then you can commanding stride to pull him back to safety. And same same as victorious duel, like it puts pressure on the uh, opponent. Was once they know that more of your deck is devoted to Ripa, increases their pressure to maybe throw an attack at him. Yeah, and it's nice right. for if, if if they try to um, put transfixing stare on Ripa, and then just kind of move away from him. Mm-hmm. That that's a good way to deal with him, especially early on. Um, so you can push him around to get him in range to where he can still attack. And uh, it's also good. Yeah, if if um, they try to do a diagonal board on you, you can do transfixing stare into a into a. Or no, sorry, not transfixing stare. A commanding stride into a charge that. They wouldn't expect to come. Yeah, and that's a good point. Ripa gets transfixing stared a lot yeah. Uh, yeah. because he's only range one, and uh, because it's a way to deal with him without attacking him. Right? Yeah, like, or if they you, try to like sidestep away from your attack. Yeah, yeah. All right. Good. So you you want to move on to the upgrades? Uh, Do it. Some of these I think are kind of obvious. Uh, Spectre armor is great on these guys mm-hmm. once they uh, inspire. Um, which they invariably will, I think. Um, you know, spirit bond, sudden growth, great strength. Survival instinct is becoming a thing now. I think that that's a good one. Potion of rage, obviously. Um, let's talk about uh, trophy belt. Pretty good, right? These guys are hunters, so they'll mm-hmm. they'll gain a they'll gain an extra. Does it, that's the one where you, where you have to have like a hunter. Uh, if you are a, you have to be a hunter to apply it. Uh, and if the target is a quarry, then you'll, it'll be unspent glory. If they're not a quarry, then rather it, than spent, but I yeah. mean, a well, spent glory to me is great. Cause you just, you easier to win. Yeah. It's basically kind of a, a less effective version of Tome of offerings, but it's not restricted. Mm-hmm. Right. And the, the main, the, the main difference of it is you get a spent glory 
um, and the uh, the enemy has to be adjacent to you. Right, that's an important one. Yeah, so which you're not, which you're more than likely to do because you want to see if you can get that uh, snarl fang attack in. So more likely you'll be standing next. Yeah, to Yeah, and him. usually you put this on Rippa, who only has yeah, a good, I mean. Yeah, he right. has. Well, he does have the. Well, bow, well, he does have the bow when he's. Yeah, yeah but, but I mean, you you tr try not to use that. Exactly. All right. So we like we like trophy belt. Uh, let's see what else. What else? Uh, Larval lance. We like on these guys for yeah, the grots. Yeah. Love it. Especially later in the game. Of well, course. yeah, and it's um, good with a uh, furious reprisal because if they push, if they drive you back, then you can still attack because it's a range two. And right. even just having range two on a low model count warband means that. Uh, once one of your wolves is kind of in the middle of a crowd, you can take a lot of attacks with a single fighter who may have uh, a lot of your upgrades. Uh, so Larval Lance also can't be modified, uh, and it benefits from all the other things that you're trying to do, which is get supports, get rerolls, all that sort of thing. Like it, it benefits, so it synergizes nicely with some of the things you're already trying to do with them. Okay, and then you can reroll it with Furious Reprisal if in the third round or whatever you have. Yeah, re -roll totally. three dice for three damage and attack you, and drive you back pretty good yeah and we said the same thing with prize vendetta because that's also uh talking about re-rolling um versus modifying right the um, prize I, vendetta might we 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 were talking about this earlier the prize vendetta might be a little bit better than potion of rage possibly because of the fact that it gives you the re-roll on the snarl fang jaws attack as well yeah yeah yep. as well as your normal attack and plus to Max's point, like that upgrade will still be there on Ripa even after whoever he was fighting is dead. Uh, so if, oh, if yeah. it's early on, it'll help. It'll help with the uh, continue to inspire him. Yeah, it counts with, for his inspiration and for loaded with plunder. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right, and and the last one that we 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 threw in here just as like maybe it's a good universal for for them is a uh, dualist speed, just because you get redundancy with circling hunter kind of. Yeah, it's just a pretty similar card. If you like that interaction with Circling Hunter and you want to consistently have it every game, you can put both of those in. Right. And uh, and and with their range and also with their low model count, being able to like move them around a little bit extra is, is always helpful. Yeah, that yep. might be, you know, that might be something that, you know, after you've played a lot of games with these guys and you want to try that out once you've once you've gotten the hang of them. I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't put both of those or in my deck right at the start because it's kind of hard to calculate that that sort of thing when the uh, pushing after you attack is is going to be effective. All right. So, do we feel like uh, we got a good handle on this warband? I think so. All right. So, um, w what's our verdict here? Like, w how do we feel about this warband in general? What? What is uh? What do we think their chances are at uh, local tournaments versus grand clashes versus casual play? Like, do we think that they're elite, or or what, what do we think? Dave, Davey, why don't you start off? So I don't think uh, I think like we talked about earlier. Like, there's a high school high skill curve, uh, high ceiling to them. So I think you can you can go a long way with them, but. It takes a lot of reps. Like somebody, if somebody wants to go uh, deep in a in a big event with them, you're gonna have to have a lot of reps with them. But I think they they will reward that. Uh, I think out of the box, uh, they're gonna be pretty challenging um, for for uh, somebody to just put down and hope to be successful right out of the gate. Uh, unlike some other warband, you know, they they don't have the um, they don't have the thorns of the briar queen. I'm gonna varclav and score temporary victory on my first activation for two glory. You know. Um, 
so I think, uh, I think if you push through, I think they, I would not be surprised to see somebody take them into, uh, make the cut at, at big events with them. And certainly people will win plenty of locals with them. Um, because you know, they, they, if, if somebody dedicates themselves to them, they, they have the potential. So. Randall thoughts. Uh, yeah. I mean, first of all, I thought this, this war band was a blast to, to play and to, to paint with. I really enjoyed them uh, playing mm. with them. They do. You have... should, uh, you should post a picture of yours. They're really nice. I like what you did with like uh, the rocks on the base made it look like kind of like a sunrise kind of a thing. It was really cool. Oh yeah. I should have, should have uh, taken better pictures. Now. I can do it uh, later. Yeah. But, yeah um, come on, man. Put them up. Yeah. And I would say don't, if you get this war band, don't expect to, you know, just immediately start crushing people at the right. When you <clears> take them out of the box and build the deck, you know, this deck, this this warband takes a lot of uh, practice, but if you can get it down, you can do some pretty insane stuff on your opponent. It's kind of like um, what was the you had some funny name for Davy's uh, Steelheart deck where he just slippery Steelhearts. What slippery Steelhearts? Yeah, slippery. <laughs> they can be very slippery. They can deal a lot of damage they're you know early on but in the end it's a warband that relies on dice rolls heavily yeah and i think in in the way that the game works now you know if you're playing against a t very tuned good player tuned deck good player playing grimwatch or thorns even if you get you know marginally lucky with your dice uh, rolls yeah. they will still beat you because of the way that the 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 game works with the you know scoring tons of glory off of standing on the objective markers, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to agree with you, Randall. I I, I find that I, I'm looking at these guys, and I think I think you can very easily win a local. I I I don't think that uh, that they're they're a bad warband. I just I really worry about them going deep in uh, into making deep runs in grand clashes, just because they are so dice dependent. And, uh, you know, if your opponent has a good few rolls, they can, they can, you know, wipe out, you know, a big chunk of your warband very quickly. And the other thing is that I think that there are, like you said, um, with like thorns and, and banshees to a certain extent and, uh, Grimwatch, I don't know if these guys can cat can keep up with, the uh, the type of scoring that those like S tier warbands, if you will, are, 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 are dealing out right now. Yeah. Playing I these guys into the, I don't Lady think they Heroes. have it at the moment. Playing these guys into Lady Harrow's Mournflight was a nightmare. Sorry, man. They were so they were so bad against them. Like the fact that you know you start out with the two dodge. Yeah. You know it makes my first attack of the game really difficult. And if it doesn't do anything, then you can just kind of inspire by charging over me. Mm -hmm. And you know you can set up the board where you know there there you can still even though these guys move four and then inspire to five. You can still get really screwed by uh, the board placement, like um, the the diagonal molten shard pit, or the um, right. any uh, horizontal or a vertical board with a lot of block taxes. Right. I mean, the, those those banshees have so much push tech uh, and pull tech. If you also because they have called it the grave, um, that I, I I've uh, I've definitely won games from like taking my opponent's best players and dragging them through you know, lethal hexes over and over again. Um, and I, I feel like I, I know I did that to you. I did that to Gerard the professor. He was playing uh Malag the other day and I just, I put 
the shard pit in front of his face and and just dragged him through that like for four damage. Uh, yeah. So if a, you you know if you go to a tournament and you one. play against uh you know a good player with Lady Harrow, that's going to be an in- extremely tough match for you. And that and that warband is getting popular now. They've won tournaments and yeah i'm still working on them it's more uh, widely available now especially in the uk i think the champions of dreadfane is is you can buy that in the uk i'm pretty sure yep yep so worldwide uh, you couldn't get the the actual dreadfane in the uk for a while it was only in germany and the u.s for a while i think it's i think it's actually only in those two countries and um now that they put the the box out a lot more people yeah, are no, playing them yeah that's what happened and then now they're now it's everywhere but uh yeah so no, but but I just think that uh, more to the point is just that I I I don't think that in the current meta they are elite. I think that they're maybe maybe a tier in in the hands of a good player, maybe like B tier in the hands of like you know like the average player. I don't know, right. D- Davey, What do you what do you think about that assessment? Yeah, I mean I think that comes with the uh, with the high skill curve thing. I think uh, like I was saying, like I, I think if you don't have the reps, they're going to be a trouble. And, and I say that not. Not, you know, I've had some success with them, but I still like, I know that I'm not at that point yet. Like when each, each game where I line up, I, I always have this, I feel like I have the same thought. It was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, you know, in that, in that first round, first few activations. And then once things start dropping, then the round two and round three get a lot easier. Gotcha. And sometimes I, after playing with these guys, you, you know, you play through the game and then what, maybe when the game's over, when the round's over, you kind of realize some other stuff you could have done. You'd be like, oh, I could have done this and it would have been a lot better because there's just a lot of these guys have a lot of potential, a lot sure. of uh, non-obvious tricks that they can pull. Right. So. All right. And then so, I would definitely suggest if you want to play these guys, you know, refresh yourself on the rule book, the, the FAQ and you know, read the uh, Jonathan Davis's article on uh, activations on or reactions on well power and the attack sequence. Stuff. Yeah, you have to know this stuff yeah. in order to play these guys. It's <clears throat> not possible to play them without that knowledge. All right. Um, so let's uh, let's move on to our, our uh, just real quick. Um, there are a lot of universals in this pack that are worth talking about. We just want to mention them. Some of them are already. Uh, gaining so much play that we kind of know what they are already. We've already talked about gathered momentum and brought to bay. Uh, we mentioned temporary victory. Um, let's talk about that one because damn, if you play, uh, you know, if you play Grimwatch, if you play Thorns, if you play, I Gitz. mean, I, I've been, I'm Gits, I've been running them with the Banshees, like temporary victory where you just stand on three objectives for like, Expect, expect this card to be on the restricted list very soon. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's very strong, and it's really strong in Thorns, and and Grimwatch. I mean, uh, I, and 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 I, I, I would say the spoilers. Yeah, I was playing somebody's deck that uh, used uh, Iron Jaws, the, uh, the Italian deck that mm-hmm. was uh, Iron, and he's he's got it in there, and I was like, yeah, it's, it's pretty great in here too. You know, I mean, it's just it's good in a lot of a lot of decks. Okay. Um, what's this one? Run Ragged? That's a new one. Uh, I'm see. bringing that up because I, I asked to include that because if you if you think it's good, then read the card again. Uh, okay, right. Yeah, every, let, let, let's do that. Sure. Let's do that right now. Uh, it is a scorn and end phase. Uh, two, two glory. 
if each surviving fighter has one or more move and or charge tokens and and what's the deal here they forgot uh, to put friendly on the card yeah right oh yeah so Oops. it's got to be everybody uh, everybody I mean, every yeah, single yeah, yeah. fighter on the board has to have a move or charge token which that's, yeah that's not good it's so hard to control Unlikely. yeah especially especially as much as we see ghouls and and ghosts uh thorn thorns and grimwatch in the in the meta they're just never gonna get there okay um so let's see uh that's the that's kind of like all the good objectives we saw so gather momentum brought to bay temporary victory and not run ragged much worse than it looks uh gambits uh we have let's see well we have invert terrain which is interesting because this is we're starting to see flipping objectives uh let me just go to invert terrain oh where is it i should have this okay here we go yeah we're starting this to is see the easy ones. i got it, i got it. yeah um oh yeah definitely um i got uh, so this is a gambit spell uh one focus to cast if cast pick one feature token within five hexes of the caster and flip that token and then of course it would then become a lethal wouldn't it yeah yeah and, and it's not an objective anymore, so it's hard. And it's to not an objective. Yeah. So, so when it comes to counting, like which objectives are in your territory or in your opponent's territory, it counts there. Like it, it ceases to become uh, an objective token. Right. Right. It's now a lethal. Yeah. All right. This is, this is almost partnered with uh, unexpected peril, which is uh, basically pick a uh, unoccupied uh, objective token in your territory and flip it. Um, and both those, both those are counterplay type things. There's, there's a few limited strategies where you can get glory from it. Uh, like we were talking about with, um, uh, with reclaim the lamentary or, or conquered lands or, or whatever the case may be where it's important to hold those. Um, they're almost more valuable right now as, as counterplay, like counter to the temporary victory builds. Um, I did, I did make a real janky goblin, uh, Zarbag's gets deck that included infestation and, uh, coveted spoils and uh yeah did, did manage that. to get the board all the way down to a single uh because my opponent was actually doing a similar thing so i got the board all the way down <laughs> to uh, a <laughs> single objective and uh, uh drizgit was standing on it with a um with a formless key and the last last end phase scored uh, nine glory off of the formless key infestation and coveted spoils um, nice. which was pretty pretty amazing but pretty janky so uh yeah I'm, I'm considering i have like this really like loaded deck that i have to whittle down but it's like guardians and it involves destroying objectives um so i don't know i'm gonna keep working on that but i inverted to invert terrain is in there just to just say to, to get that that ball rolling right yeah, um, this is, it's, it's tough i to think gauge. it's good oh go ahead go ahead no i was just gonna say i, I it's basically a deck that's designed to go against like thorns basically like if they're doing objective i just don't think it would be good against anything else <laughs> so all right anyway that's just having well fun yeah yeah you have to combo the, the thing about uh yothari though is that they have that reclaim the lamentary card so right. that flipping the objective tokens or destroying the objective tokens become makes that card a lot easier to score right and so, so i have, have to, reclaim yeah. in there as well yeah right. and then and then put the put the objectives on my side and then uh and then try to kill a couple of them and then still do reclaim yeah and the, and the just thing make is it it's impossible tough, for my opponent yeah it's tough to gauge these type of cards because you know we've been seeing uh pretty rapid adjustment from games workshop when something becomes really strong like um if if you know it's it's pretty clear that we're in the like hold objectives meta right now 
Yeah. And I, I do believe that Games Workshop will address that in probably Enjoy it while it lasts, people. But yeah. If, if for some reason they don't, and objective, standing on the objectives <laughs> um, strategy is still popular, you know, six months from now, these these two cards will become extremely important in the game. Yeah, and who knows? We may see we may see more stuff with flipping. Um, we'll we'll talk about an upgrade uh, in a little bit, yeah. but uh, uh, there there may be more to. I mean, certainly they they probably are not done with that. So there may be stuff that capitalizes on flipping or or whatever the case may be. Yep. Right. Sounds good. Um, so we already talked about unexpected peril. You take a pick a feature token and empty hex in your territory and flip it. So. Uh, you can't have anybody standing on it, and you can't. It has to be in your territories. But if it's just just one available, you just flip it, and, and that's pretty good. Uh, of course, it becomes lethal at that point. All right, so there we go. Uh, the next one we talked about was tracking, and tracking is kind of just for spectral wings redundancy. You can either move a plus one move for the first friendly fighter, uh, the first fighter to make a move action in the next activation, plus two move instead if that fighter is a hunter. So in certain you know, in certain war bands, that that is Spectral Wings again. Yeah, it'd be a super exciting card if Spectral Wings had not just been released. And as right. it is, it's right. modestly exciting. It's yeah, okay. So so there you go. Um, and we see why that would be fine. Um, I particularly like Spine Tone Toxin just because it reminds me of the five point exploding harm, uh, exploding heart technique from Kill Bill Part Two, Volume Two, where she like hits him and get. And then he has to stand up and walk away and die because that's basically what's the spine toad toxin is it's choose an enemy fighter adjacent to one or more friendly fighters that enemy fighters dealt one damage after each move action they make the effect persists until they're out of action so basically it turns them into a time bomb if they move mm -hmm. which is not a good card i just <laughs> i love tarantino cool, thematically it's cool. fun it's thematically fun and, well, right. and it is uh, a poison right it is a poison, right? And there seems to be a few of those coming up. So yeah, that might it, be a it thing. got its own. Yeah, it's got its own thing going on there. All right. Um, we'll see how that pans out. Um, the next one. Uh, we got a few upgrades we like. Uh, first of all, Sting of the Ore Grub uh, is a good one. I've been using that in the Banshees deck because everybody is range one. So if you just want another great strength and you only have range one fighters and you're not really using any of the upgrade weapons that give you extra range like if you're magor or if you're you know iron jaw iron, iron jaws yeah i was gonna say pretty good or even um great strength enjoy yeah any th this is just a great card yeah i mean in, in certain war bands yeah you wouldn't use them with like the ko's or anything like that or you know yeah definitely but not. uh yeah but another four bands is pretty good. Um, let's see. And what is this avatar of the Urgrub thing going on? So obviously there's going to be more of these Urgrub things that if you, it's kind of almost like a Voltron, I guess it's kind of like, so you don't put this card in your deck. It can't be removed from the fighter. The fighter becomes a quarry if they ever get it on them. And the fighters range one and range two attack actions have plus one damage and ensnare. And after this fighter's successful range one or range two action, they can heal. But I assume they need to have like all three of the. Yeah, they the, need to. You, you need Ur to have three on, on the person. So the, this avatar of the Urgrub card is not in your deck. But when you assemble the the three aspects of the Urgrub on one character, 
then I believe you remove them all and then replace and you put that on there. this avatar, which is basically all three of them combined. Um, we haven't seen yeah. the other two yet, but we can sort of deduce that, um, you know, they're going to be similar. Like, I think... Uh, yeah, one like one's going to have give a, you snare, a snare, and right. then the other one's going to give you this reaction where you heal or something like that. Right. So, what? yeah, okay. So that's fine. But there has to be, like, something else. There's probably going to be, you know, like, an objective that says if you have Avatar of the Urgreb on something, score one glory or two glory. That, that could be. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure they're going somewhere with this, so I, I guess we just have to sit back and wait. And this is going to be fun when this comes out. You know, imagine playing uh, Magoras Fiends with... All three of the avatar. If you ever get Vagor <laughs> right. with all three of the avatar, he's gonna. That's yeah, that's, that's gonna crazy. be crazy. Yeah, yeah. Because plus one damage and ensnare, and then heals himself. Yeah, that's. You're you're gonna know what uh, what Ripley felt like at the end of Aliens. Yeah, mm. or Malog too. Mal it would be good with. Malog. Oh man, I, yeah, it's gonna be. So when all three of these are out, it's gonna be interesting to see if people do actually with our powers these. combined. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's see, uh, another one. Yeah. Davey, any, anything you want to add to that before we move on? No, it, it'd be cool yeah. to see how the rest of it plays out. I, I bet there's going to be some decks. Does it even make that. like a special, like infested Nagor? <laughs> like when he gets that, you like pull him out of your location. You're like, hold on. He's the avatar of the, he's not called Magor anymore. He's the avatar yeah. and you put him out right. and he's got like, and then you're Magatar. Yeah. Right, and then as he's going around, like just like starting shit, the other three are like standing on objectives because you know Gartok can't be pushed. Yeah, right. You would push um, back. Yeah. All right. Uh, so the next one is Yara's Instant Shield. This is a spell action upgrade. Uh, use this during an attack action that targets this friendly fighter after the attack roll. If cast, you can re-roll any number of dice in the defense roll for that attack action. And uh, we point this out because it's it's not bad as an as an you know uh, as an upgrade. It has to be put on a wizard, obviously. Yeah. But the interesting thing is that it says it's a lost page, and we don't know what that means. Well, we've we've seen it on Mazig's many legs before. Oh, is it on that one too? Okay. Yep. Um, so it's also on there because uh, on someone like Stormsire, it's powerful in and of its own right. But it's a right. reaction spell, so it gives you another right. opportunity to throw a spell out. A lot of decks that are trying to cast a lot of spells are limited by the number of gambit spells they have in hand, or yeah. uh, or having to put their their main spell slinger in range and thus at risk. And this gives a way to uh, get more spells out in case you. So you can get like magical storm or yeah, even magical exactly, mastery. Exactly. Gotcha. I see it. I see it. Okay, uh, that sounds good. A uh, couple more. Uh, inescapable blow opening strike. We see this new new um, keyword, the combo. Uh, Davey, you want to talk about this? Yeah, so uh, this is the first time we've seen the combo keyword, uh, and these these uh, opening strike is a pretty pretty unimpressive attack, but it does have the combo keyword. Inescapable blow is a more impressive attack that gets even better uh, if you are using it as a reaction to uh, uh, making an attack with the combo keyword. So right now, in order to have these do anything, you'd have to have both of them out, which makes them not. Uh, not viable as it stands, but they're we're bringing it up mostly as a placeholder to say, hey, pay attention because like coming down the line, this will be pretty interesting, probably. Yeah, there might be other things, and it seems as though you 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 don't these two don't have to necessarily go together. There might be other combos that you can use later right, on. Exactly. exactly. That, yeah, that might be better than this because opening strike is kind of kind of nothing. Right. Yeah. 
All right. So there's that. Keep an eye out for that. And let's see. Uh, lethal snare. Where's lethal snares? Lethal snares. Uh, an upgrade reaction. After this fighter push, ends a push or a move action in a hex that contains a feature token or is placed in a hex that contains a feature token, you can flip it. So this is for those uh, for those decks that are trying to do flipping of feature tokens of some sort. Yeah, or down the line, if uh, if flipping starts to become a thing, then maybe you start putting this on a uh, on a chain rasp and uh, getting your temporary victory back by by stepping into something and flipping it with the reaction. So right, right, and the Varclav thing is a push, so that would count here. Yeah. All right, pretty good. So keep an eye on that one. Don't forget it. Uh, let's see what happens. And then the last one we want to talk about from this one is uh, Hidden Presence. And uh, this, uh, it's an upgrade. Uh, this fighter is a quarry. If this fighter is a quarry, we just said it was a quarry. All right. Players cannot choose this fighter when a gambit is played. That's interesting. So uh, that would be good for like maybe Molog, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. if he can't be chosen by things, he can't be pushed. He can't. There's a lot of things you can't do. Yeah, we're saying the challenge with this is building a deck that doesn't want to choose him with your own stuff because it's not restricted to enemy uh, enemy game. Yeah. yeah. All right, but that's interesting. If you have like one particular uh, fighter that you want to you want to keep out of harm's way. Yeah, it's interesting with um, objective standing on objectives because then they can't distraction you or lethal ward you when you're standing on mm -hmm. the objective. Yep. And uh, like that's if you put a guy on guard and you have this on him. Or survival instincts. Yeah. Makes him a quarry, he's just, right? He's just not coming yeah. on that. And we'll have to see when, you know, the, the being being a quarry isn't really as much of a negative right now, but we'll have to see when the next couple of warbands come out, if that makes a difference. Yeah. yeah. Or positive. I mean, who knows? They may give stuff that is... Uh you know, compounds being a quarry somehow. Yeah. It's yeah. Really well, I mean, only, the, uh, the avatar. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a, it's yeah, weird that, that, yeah, it's weird that that quarry. makes him a quarry, I guess, because he turns into like a, a beast. He I turns guess. into a beast. So there has to be some negative to it. Yeah. I mean, besides beast, the fact that it's hard to put. You're going to get you know. hunted. Yeah, man. All right. So, uh, so that's all the, uh, the universals that we thought were interesting from this thing. So I think that we've covered the expansion pretty well. Uh, are we ready to move on to our final section, Keys to Salvation? Sure, sounds good. All right, so Davey, as is uh, customary, uh, because we don't want to do as much work, I guess, uh, <laughs> when we have a guest on, we have them do the Keys to Salvation. Now, I just was on your show, mm -hmm. and uh, these are going to come out very, very soon after one another, and I spent most of the time talking, so I'm going to let you talk this time. <laughs> it's okay, you edited it out, right? Uh, so much of it that, that so that much. much shorter than there was like this whole section on like whether or not it's okay to put like cheese on your grits and it was like 20 minutes of that and i'm sure you took that out yeah. but i mean bumper material i'm just saying anyway so just just go ahead uh so for me i, I had a I pitched a couple ideas but i think the one i'm going with here is uh uh, identifying what your habits are and consider consider breaking them so like purposely breaking your own habits uh because what you're doing, so like I'm, I'm talking here, if uh, if you always take a particular board, if you always set up a board in a particular way, if you always place your objective tokens in a particular way or your lethal uh, lethal hexes when, when you're putting those down, you know, we get in these habits and what you're doing when you always do it the same way is saying this is the best way to do it, right? Uh, 
uh, you're saying I've solved this problem. There's, there's not a better way to do it. And you might not be right and you won't know it unless you try something else. Um, so it may be, it may be a matter of, you know, it could also apply to always drawing a card in your first activation. If you're always doing that, like try something else, uh, especially, especially in games where that, you know, that are meant to be for you sort of learning and getting better. Now, this is different if you're only two days before your big event. Um, but it could be, it could also be, uh, you know, with your deck building, if you always take a particular card, consider swapping it for something else uh, and just see what else you can learn. You may go back there and then you'll have reinforced what you already believe to be true and you can proceed with greater confidence. But uh, uh, think about expanding your learning by by breaking your habits, which may or may not be bad habits, as it turns out. Yeah, and if I can add to this, um, this game changes so often where the yeah. meta is just like evolving at breakneck speed sometimes when new uh, things come out, that it, it is important to kind of check your uh, your preconceived notions about the way that a particular warband works because after certain cards come out, you know, maybe they're a little bit more viable. Like I thought Molog was not all that great coming out of season two and starting in Beastgrave. Um, but, but now I think that maybe Molog's a little bit better because there's just a lot of new cards that have come out that really work well with him. Right. Um, so it's, it, so it, you just have to kind of keep, keep your, keep your head on a swivel, if you will, just because things are going to be come into favor and go out of favor. And, and if you, you kind of get set in your ways, it's going to be, you might find yourself having a, a, you know, a section of time where you're not really being competitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with your uh, assessment of the boards. I think I kind of fell into that category of someone who thought that they had the boards thing solved. Um, but then I started using a lot of the, those new boards from Beastgrave, and they are really good. Yeah. The the ones that have the two starting hexes right on one side together. I used. I end up using those a lot now. Right. Especially against Grimwatch. If that now that that Grimwatch is in the game, you have those. That you have a board where you have two starting hexes right on the the line. Yeah, we, we got Living Rock. Yeah, Living Rock does that. And yeah. let's see. Two of the boards. Uh, Shrine of the Silent People is the other one. You That's uh, Li Living people. Rock is the uh, Living Rock is the one where you have uh, two um, blocked and one lethal hex right down the center in a line. And uh, the Shrine of the Silent People is the one where you have the three blocked in a like kind of a diagonal on one side. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was mainly well, going with the uh, the the penitence throne. I like that one a lot, and then the one where um, I forgot what this one's called, where it has the three, the one that the goblins like. Oh, the the two towers called the shattered refractor. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Uh, I like that one. Uh, it's called yeah, shattered refractor. Yes, and I was basically just using those almost all the time, and then I tried out a lot of the the beast grave ones, and I found them to be really nice. So I, and I only started doing that because, you know, you know, you lose against Grimwatch, you know, the first like two times and you're like, I have to be able to do something here. And then you, you, I'm like, well, let's just try throwing this board out. Let's yeah. Try this. And then, you know, I ended up working. I'm like, oh, okay. And that gave me the, I think I was trying, I was playing against Max's Grimwatch with my Thundrix and I was like, I can't let him inspire. So I started doing this board setup and just running Lund and, and Drax skewer like into his territory and it ended up working out pretty well. And then I then I started using that board with the the Briar Queen too and it changed my whole like perspective on deploy <laughs> on everything. Yeah. yeah. All right. So don't get set in your ways people. 
Yeah. Davy Kalkin says. All right. Um, so I think we did it. Um, Davey, thank you so much for being on the program. Uh, it was an honor to be on yours and it's an honor to have you on ours. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, there's yeah. a tradition we do on our, uh, program, which is we give recommended listening. Is it all right if I give you some recommended listening? Oh yeah. Oh, you definitely should. Are you kidding? Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. So I was going to recommend, uh, Wolf Like Me. It's by TV on the radio. TV on the radio. Oh, that song's so oh, good. Song. Return to Cookie Return. Mountain. That's great. Yeah, exactly. Um, so go check it out. Sure. How about anything by Wolf Mother? Sure. Wolf Parade. Wolf Parade. Uh, Steppenwolf. Yeah, Steppenwolf. <laughs> we, we can do this all day. Are there? Oh, oh, uh, Goblin Cock. Oh, that's different. a band. Yeah, good, good. That's a band. Sweet band. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's the guys from. Uh, it's the guys from Pinback. All right. Anyway, again, I got to say Goblin Cock, which yeah. is yeah. great. Good thing it's at the uh, end when nobody's listening. Yeah, you can just okay. You can just edit this out. Yeah. All right. I'm not. So, so just to remind everybody, go on there, check out what the hex podcast. I would tell you to check out Battle for Salvation podcast, but you're already here. You just um, did. But you should exactly. You should definitely go and subscribe and like and follow and just hit those buttons. It helps. Just click um, all the buttons. Just click the buttons. We love hitting buttons. It's so satisfying. Just click. <laughs> Like it's so that that's it anyway, but you should do that. Uh, get on what the heck's uh, what the heck's Twitter say it again. Sorry, I forget. Uh, at WTH cast. There you go. That's the one. And then of course the Facebook pages and mortal realms and all that stuff. So, uh, so there you go. So uh, Davey, thanks a lot, man. Thank you. All right. So for uh, battle for salvation podcast, this is Max Bernstein. I'm Randall Slate. And I'm Davey. And... Oh, hey, sorry. Nah, it's all right. Don't worry all about it. Right. Go ahead, do it again. All right. And I'm Davey Calkins. And right, back we'll see y'all next time. Hey, wait, wait, wait a second. <laughs> we'll see y'all next time. All right.